This meeting will now come to order. Madam Clerk, if you'd please read the chamber evacuation announcement. Yes, sir. The council evacuation announcement goes as follows. Upon activation of the emergency alarm signal, all persons should immediately exit the building. Please use the exits to the left or right front of the council chambers or the east or west stairwell outside the rear doors of the chamber. Do not use elevators or escalators. After exiting the building, proceed to the assembly area located in the parking lot bordered by Clay, 8th and 9th Streets. Citizens and employees should assist visually and hearing impaired visitors with exiting the building. And adhering to council's rules of procedure, everyone in attendance should be seated at this time. Thank you, uh, Ms. Brown here. I think we're looking at general fund amendments. Yes, sir. Um, at the last uh, budget work session, we left off on reviewing the revenue proposals. Um, there were two items that council wanted to continue until this session and readdress um, this morning. So that first item is uh, on page nine of your amendments. Uh, item number four, which was a proposal to increase the vehicle license revenue by 1.2 million to match what the state maximum is. And I believe council is waiting on an opinion from the city attorney's office. Okay. Let's see. Is this, this behind me here? Right. We're looking at, okay. And did we, let's see, uh, Mr. Jackson, have you done some studying on this one? Yes, Mr. President. Our, as I indicated last week, our preliminary opinion was that the city already charges the maximum fee permitted by law. Uh, last Thursday, we were asked to take a fresh look at the issue, and we did. The state law that authorizes the fee is not clearly written. A few jurisdictions have chosen a broader reading that permits imposition of a higher fee. To our knowledge, none of those jurisdictions has been challenged for doing so. Uh, in addition, while we continue to believe that our preliminary opinion represents the strongest legal argument for what the statute authorizes a locality to do, we could find no legal authorities that have said that the broader reading is legally incorrect. So if council chooses to impose the higher fee, it should recognize that its action may represent a greater risk than is usual, but we believe that if challenged, the city could raise a good faith defense to imposition of the higher fee. All right, let's see if I understood that, the greater risk here being being that the city of Richmond would do it versus other jurisdictions that did it, therefore were more high profile and then could somehow warrant general assembly action? That That's part of it. Part of it is also the greater risk that you would have to repay the $1.2 million or whatever the right number is. Okay, and what is the, what is the fee now and what is it going to? It's 33 to 40. That, did I hear that correctly? Yes. Okay. Um, 
Well, I think the bottom line is that we can proceed, but that the uh, but there's a risk that the state could ask us to refund that money to um, to the folks that paid the license fee, and I would think that processing a bunch of $7 payments is probably not going to be the easiest or cheapest thing in the world to do. So that's a risk we want to take. Then uh, we can roll with that or, or not. Madam Vice President. Yes, uh, thank you, Mr. President. Just a point of clarification, Ms. Jackson. So there are other municipalities who are currently charging the $40. I don't know the amounts, but a higher fee, yes. It's a small number um, relative to the total number of jurisdictions in Virginia. I, I don't know if um, Mr. Eckelberger or Ms. Brown may know exactly how many, but it, it is a relatively small number that do so. Thank you. Any other comments on this one? Mr. Uh, yes, Ms. Trammell. Uh, which one are? Which one is it? And I fully don't understand. It's we, number four up here. I mean, oh, number four. What do we do? So we didn't do number three, then, right? Not, not number three. Well, we're gonna. I guess we're we went four. to four immediately because we were oh, waiting sorry, what, on the the uh, the city attorney to get us an opinion on that. So that's why we went to number four first. And Ms. Robertson, this is your uh, amendment. So, yes, good morning. It, I don't know if you want to say anything about it. We did receive before uh, your arrival the uh, city attorney's opinion that that uh, he thought that we could do this, that other jurisdictions have uh, imposed a higher fee, uh, but that there was some, some risk that uh, the General Assembly or other, I guess if somebody picks the court or what have you, that, but we have a pretty good defense, he's saying, uh, that other jurisdictions have done it, no one challenged them, uh, and so, you know, but the city of Richmond sometimes uh, stuff happens to us that doesn't happen to other localities. Uh, so that's his uh, opinion on it. And I, and that was a lot, uh, I think it's not nearly as eloquent as Mr. Jackson uh, said that, but uh, uh, now that any we're, comments? If I'm, good morning, everyone. Apologize for being late. Um, if I'm understanding you correctly, Mr. President, you're saying that the advice of the attorney is that Others have done it. It's not that it may not be challenging if it is challenged that um, there may not be a certainty as to what would be the result of that challenge, in essence. Is that correct, I think Mr. Jackson? Yes, Mr. Jackson. And I'm sorry, Ms. Uh, Robertson, if you could pull your mic a little closer to yeah, you. Yeah, you would do the same. That would be appreciated as well. Okay. Thank Am you. I, I'm better now. You're better okay, now. great. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Mr. Jackson? Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that we think that the stronger position is the uh, position that uh, we initially uh, came to, uh, but that uh, there's no legal authority for the 
that, that says that those jurisdictions that have imposed the higher fee have done so unlawfully. Um, and we believe that given the ambiguities in the way the statute is written, we could at least mount a good faith defense, but the council would be taking uh, a risk that is greater than the usual risk it takes in imposing um, an additional tax. All right. Any other thoughts on this one? So, Ms. Gray? Oh, sorry. So, with a risk, what would be the worst case scenario? I mean, I think the worst case scenario would be that someone, I don't know, I mean, I don't want to make suggestions out here, but if people, uh, if it was successfully challenged, we would have to return that $7 to every individual who paid it, probably going to cost twice as much as $7 to process a payment. Uh, so not only would we not have this $1.2 million, we'd be in the hole from administrative work to, to return the money. That's the, that's the risk as I would see it. I don't know if the administration uh, has returned payments, shall we say. Do you have an estimate of how much that would be? Uh, I mean, I know we've done that, I guess, on not on this scale, but uh, Mr. Wack, how are you? Good morning. John Wack, Director of Finance. Um, I, I suppose it, if this amendment were approved where we would change the fee effective July 1st, it would probably depend when we have um, a legal challenge and, and, and if we, based on the timing we might be able to give um, credits if, it, if it's a couple months before our next billing for example we might be able to give a credit on, on, on the subsequent billing so instead of we went from 33 to 40 we had to go back to 26 to, to give a $7 credit for every vehicle um, but again that, that, would, that would depend on the timing and, and, and when the ruling would, would be against the city. And if I transferred my vehicle from our jurisdiction in that time period, how am I going to get my money back? Uh, we, we, I believe we do prorate the vehicle right. license fee. Okay. Again, I consider this a fee rather than a tax because it's the same dollar amount regardless of the vehicle, uh, the value of the vehicle. But, um, okay. All right. Very good. Thank you. Ms. Gray. So my inclination would be to not do this, but I wanted to have a better understanding of what Mr. Jackson is saying and what you believe the intent of the language is supposed to mean. The original opinion that we gave, which, again, we believe, we believe to be, the intent of the General Assembly is to fix the maximum at the, ma at the annual registration fee, which is the $33, $34 figure, whatever that is. Um, however, the statute is written in such a way that you could read it differently. Uh, and um, as I said earlier, we think that we could raise a good faith defense if we were to impose the higher fee based on the ambiguity, but again, the risk there is that you would end up having to repay.
Mr. President. Ms. Robertson. Um, I don't think that we um, would enter into um, an option that appears to be other jurisdictions very comfortable with exercising and have not been challenged. There's no historic data that I'm aware of that anyone has been challenged and or faced the possibilities of having to return money. However, having said that, um, I'm certainly not willing to propose an increase if our attorney and if the council, as a part of the discussion of this, is entertaining more affirmatively what would we do and how much it would cost us to repay it. So I'm certainly not interested in proposing something that we are more that we are more concerned about the possibilities of returning it even to the extent Mr. President, if you were to leave the city in part, part of the period of time. Uh, so, you know, I, 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 I don't, I find it interesting that Richmond is the only city that um, is not comfortable with doing this. Uh, I, the only advice that I have is what Mr. Jackson has given us. And I do think that is something that the staff needs to look in more Intentionally, whether we choose to use it or not, you know, adding additional fees is not something that um, necessarily uh, we willingly do um, in order to face uh, the needs for additional revenues. But I would like to perhaps pursue this a little bit clearer because I think it's important that we know definitively whether or not it's a safe place to go or not. And uh, given additional time, perhaps uh, we can rely upon the attorney to look at that. Thank you. Mr. Jones here, but before Mr. Jones, I'm sorry, and then Ms. Trammell. Uh, Mr. Jackson, I, it seemed like that the way that was being described was that all jurisdictions were, that they were somehow, um, that they didn't, have these deliberations or whatnot on this. I'm not sure exactly. I think I... Norm, I, my understanding is that it's a small number of jurisdictions that charge the higher fee. Uh, it's not by any means even a majority of okay. jurisdictions that charge the higher fee. Right. Uh, there's, I believe, some research that uh, Ms. Brown or her office may have done, but about who else has done it, I'm not certain about that. Okay. All right. Mr. Jones? Thank you, Mr. President. If, if, if it's allowed by state and uh, we get to the point where we feel as if um, we're, we're not at risk, I just see this as, as a new revenue, uh, net new dollars. And so, you know, I'd be inclined to support it. Um, I don't like fees, higher fees, higher taxes, who does? Um, but when we are in need as a locality uh, of having the need for new revenue, not just for new revenue's sake, um, I think we try to find, as we've been doing, 
um, all the monies that are um, available. And again, without putting an undue burden on uh, our citizens, but allowing our constituency to know that we are in need of funds as a city um, because we have, uh, we have needs to meet uh, core services, to meet schools, and things of that nature. And so although 1.2 is not a, a large windfall of money, um, you know, as we, as we do this, 1.2 will fund programs, fund services, and things of that nature. And so um, if uh, my colleague, Ms. Robertson, wouldn't mind me being added as a co-patron, I'd like to be added as a co-patron uh, in this and on this. And so, and then, you know, if we can get a definitive response from staff, that would be great. Great. Uh, Ms. Trammell, and then we're at the 15-minute mark, so I'm going to look for consensus after you, Mr. Ms. President. Trammell speaks. Go ahead. I know that um, I've been getting a lot of calls the past week in reference to we all campaigned that we would not raise taxes, we would not raise this, we would not do the things that we're doing. We've already raised the meal tax, we've already raised utilities, and now it's being we're thinking about doing this. And I know that this, that we're probably Richmond, Virginia is the lowest when it comes to um, the vehicle license, and we're going to raise that now, put another hardship on the citizens um, in our in our city. And just like one lady told me yesterday, you all keep talking about the population has grown in the city. What are y'all doing with the money? You've gotten over 215,000 people. What are you doing with the money? How come you keep talking about raising this and raising that? You know, y'all need to cut stuff that's not important. And I know that it was an article in the paper about the, about the arts. And a lot of people in my district were happy that my colleagues cut it because they said that, you know, that's nicety versus necessity. And right now, you know, you should have took it all for this year until instead of raising more taxes because it's not right because it really hurts us when we try to, especially the seniors that try to keep their cars so they can still feel independent to get to the doctors and all that because, you know, they don't have the money to catch the bus. And now we're, gonna, now we're talking about doing this. I, I can't support this. I understand what my colleague's trying to do to find the money. And, um, but my people are saying cut those niceties, cut those things this year instead of putting more burden of a tax increase on us. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Trammell. Uh, Mr. Agilasto. Just a point of clarity, since this is an existing revenue source, would this require certification from the administration? Would this require certification? No, sir. It's an additional tax that's imposed by the council. I would suggest that you confer um, with um, finance to gain as much comfort as you can from your own estimates. But ultimately, it is council's um, prerogative when it imposes the additional tax. The prohibition is against the estimates that are contained in the originally proposed budget. Mr. Wack, and then Ms. Gray. Again, John Wack, Director of Finance. Uh, the, the estimate uh, the finance did come up with was, was the $1.2 million, increasing the, the fee relative to the state maximum uh, for multiple categories of vehicles. Um, but again, I guess, guess it w w would come with some risk. 
Mr. President. Thank you. Ms. Gray? That answered my oh, question. Oh, I'm sorry. Mr. Jackson and then Ms. Gray. Um, my question was answered. I was wondering where oh, the okay. number came right. from. Okay. Mr. Jackson. And I did find the, um, there's a 2016 report from the Weldon Cooper Center in Charlottesville that indicates that 17 out of roughly 130 jurisdictions uh, in Virginia charge the higher rate. Okay. All right, 17 out of 130. That's including towns. Uh, cities, counties, and towns okay. appear to be roughly 140 total, so okay. minus 17. All right. So there you have it. Is there a consensus on this item to uh, leave this in, a revenue increase? Um, we're looking for consensus. Consensus on this matter to increase it. Um, yes, okay, we've got five, six. All right, so we'll leave that in. Uh, 1.2 million, Ms. And Mr. Brown. Jackson. I'm sorry. I'd like to know the code section for this. I'm sorry. I just would like to know the code section that the, was referenced. Okay, Mr. Jackson. You can um, look at that. 46.2752. Give me a second. 46.2752. Okay, that's what I'm looking at. Thank you. Right. Thank you, Ms. Brown. If we can move on to uh, the next one. Yes, the next two items are competing amendments uh, by Councilwoman Gray and Councilman Agilesto with regard to the Commission on Meals Tax. All right, does anyone want to speak to that one? Uh, Ms. Gray? I don't know if you... So mm -hmm. um, both of these are attempting to accomplish the same thing. Mine is just over a two-year period versus doing it all in the first year. And this is a rebate for the fees, the credit card fees charged to collect the meals tax. All right. Very good. Or uh, not a rebate, a reduction in the taxes due. It's not a rebate. Okay. Uh, Ms. Trammell and then Vice President Newbill. I'd like to add my name to both of them, too. I'd like to add my name to Kim's. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Ms. Brown, if you can add uh, Ms. Trammell's name uh, to that as a co-patron. Uh, Vice President Newbill. Okay, just a point of clarification and then uh, maybe response to some inquiries I received. If I understood correctly from our discussion last week, this is an incentive for timely tax payments. Is that not correct? Because when we went through the whole discussion of seller's commission versus not, I think what it, bought, it was incentive for timely tax payment was what I understood. That is one of the purposes of this, yes. That would be written into the language that you would only be entitled to this when taxes are paid on time or early. So when you say that's one thing, what else is there? Because, again, we had lengthy discussion. I thought I left here with a clarity that it was only going to be incentive for tax, for timely tax That would payments. be one of the benefits for us as 
an incentive to have taxes paid on time, but for competitive purposes when other localities, well, we know Henrico County gives the abatement of 3%. It's to keep us competitive. Mr. Is, yes. so, and maybe it's, not, I don't mean to just, Ms. Gray, be looking in your direction, but whomever else as well. Um, this would only be given to those entities that pay their taxes on time. Yes. Is that correct? There's nothing that will be distributed across the businesses. Um, that's what I thought I heard. Before. Yes. Okay. And, okay. Thank you. Very good. Any other uh, comments on this one? Have a uh, have a consensus on this one? Okay, we've got a majority on that one. Let's uh, let's move on. All right, we're two for two. Uh, let's see the the courthouse fee. Is that the next one? So. Since the first one passed, are we not discussing the second one? Okay. Um, okay, with then with revenues being completed, right now council is in balance. Uh, for, well, actually has made more revenue than increases. Um, so fiscal year 19, right now we are balanced over 100000 so no, we've got to go back and cut something. No, we've we're actually above balance. Right. So Oh right. Oh well, but we're gonna to have to okay, if we've got more revenues and expenses, we can't be out of balance, I guess is what I'm saying. So we're either gonna to have to cut some revenues or add some ex expenditures. Is that correct? Okay. Right. Do you do you want to? Uh, I don't know if we want to nickel and dime our way to a hundred thousand. Do you all have a recommendation? And um, you can. I'm sorry if you can do that later. You can come back to us. Maybe that might be the quickest way to do this. Sure. Okay. Do you have something in mind now, or? Uh, yeah. I'm if sorry, we could, as to say, if we could come back and we can yes, start we going through the text amendments. Yes, we're. We're pretty close. We haven't been this close in a while. Uh, Madam Vice President. Yes. All right. Next uh, text amendments are our next item. Is that correct? Are we up to those? That's correct. Okay.
right, Ms. Brown, are we going to start with uh, number one? Um, Mr. President, I'm going to address the text amendments yes, for the staff. Mm -hmm. And Charles is handing out the most recent copy. Uh, we met with the city attorney's office with Haskell Brown on Friday to okay. go over the exact wording and what would be required, which ones would be um, most appropriately as text amendments, which ones can be ordinances, and which ones are resolutions, uh, and also which ones can just be done uh, as part of the budget versus a couple that are going to require O&R requests uh, to be drafted. And I think they've all been handed out now. So, uh, Mr. President, if you wanted to start with number one, the Office of the Inspector General, the new Office of the Inspector General. That Bill, does could you speak into your mic? Can oh. get it closer, please? And I'm um, sorry, here, let me make sure here. If we're going to start with the – these are actions or ordinances that would be um, – that would come after the budget that we would have to do or would be – the first the two documents. The first two, Mr. Chairman, would Mr. President would would be concurrent with the budget because they are implementing uh, budget actions. Okay. So the first one, the new Inspector General would require an ordinance. The budget has you've already approved amendments to the budget to reflect that. Um, there would actually be three ordinances that would be required to take this uh, action. The first is to amend the pay ordinance, and that just provides for the salary for the uh, new inspector general. An ordinance to create the new office of the inspector general, which would set out the duties and responsibilities uh, of it. Um, and then um, perhaps a second one, uh, excuse me, perhaps a third one. Uh, if Council wants to go ahead and approve that. That's okay, and that does not require an O and R request separate from today. Okay, all right. So we're going resolutions and amendments to the resolutions. Or let's see. I'm sorry. Well, the line item for which we were discussing was text amendments. So to me, that begins text amendments relative to the budget would begin on page two with the Department of Finance. Mr. President, I'm sorry. The, that... the overall title is text amendments. Right. <clears throat> because that's the way most members submit them. Yes. But in going over them uh, with other staff and also with the city attorney, in some cases, these text amendments require an ordinance or a resolution. And so what this document does is it takes all the text amendment requests that were received and then classifies those as to whether they really need to be an ordinance, whether they really need to be a resolution, or whether they can, in fact, just be a text amendment to the budget. Okay. So what we were doing with that first one is going over the first one of the um, – text amendments that were received that, in fact, have to be an ordinance. This first one merely implements a budgetary action that council has already uh, voted to approve, yes. which is the creation of, and they're just multiple steps to creation of the, um, the internal auditor. Okay. Or the inspector general. The second okay. one is... Uh, 
All right. I think given that we've approved these changes, I think, and I appreciate you laying all of this out as to what we need to do. So I think if we're, if we're creating this office, we have to change the, the, um, the uh, implement an ordinance to, to uh, add this office um, and to... Um, uh, and then the commission on meals tax collection was just uh, uh, voted on number two. Uh, so number two, I'm sorry, looks like a new one. Number number two, Mr. President, is uh, the Richmond Retirement System, the council member retirement. Uh, if you'll recall, council approved an appropriation to pay the contribution for um, council members' participation in the retirement program, and this would just request that the city attorney draft the ordinance to affect that. Okay. Yes, Ms. Trammell. Can, um, can that one be explained a little bit more from the patron? Okay, Ms. Robertson. Ms. Robertson, was this yours relative to the retirement system? Okay. Yes, it is. Um, and did what, we... What? I'm sorry. I, That's... Was that in the original proposed budget? Is this an amendment to the budget, and was there money allocated for this purpose? I guess is what I'm. I assume that if I'm looking at this correctly, that council that the staff is recommending that an ordinance is needed in order to um, include council members in the retirement program. And you know, you're aware of the fact that the uh, appropriation that is currently in the budget for to address that really only it, it is not a retro um, proposal it's just for one year it's just for the current time and it is um, you know it is what it is that's where we are so I assume that the council staff is suggesting that we also need an ordinance to support that Yes, Miss. Uh, so, is there any other questions? Uh, so yes, uh, Mr. President. Uh, Ms. Robert, Ms. Robertson is is correct in going over this with the city attorney uh, in order to implement the action for which council has already approved the appropriation. There needs to be an ordinance to change the retirement system to allow council members to participate in the defined contribution retirement program. Okay, and they're in the defined contribution program. Yes. Okay. All right. And this would be, um, let's see. And so um, we had come to a consensus on this that we wanted to to add our, our and the th this is the defined. Excuse me. Let me make this clear. This is the combined contribution plan. It's the defined contribution plan, uh, and it would be prospective. So participation would begin 
on July 1st, 2018. Okay, and this would be that a member could set aside some of their salary in order to put into, I want to say, a 403B. The the way the defined contribution program works is that it – there are brackets based on years of service. The first five years uh, of service in the defined contribution program is 5%. And then uh, beginning with year six, it goes up to 6%. And then after a few years, I'm a little vague on the schedule, but after a few years, it continues to escalate um, until it finally reaches a maximum, which I don't recall. But the first few years uh, of a person uh, being in the retirement system, the city contribution is 5%. There is no matching requirement. Ah, okay. All right. And again, that just implements an action for which council already appropriated the funds. Uh, there was an appropriation of $17,410 to pay that 5% contribution. Okay. All right, great. Ms. Uh, Gray. So what are we attempting to accomplish? Because are we talking about 5% of 25000 Yes. Or in the case of, right, 27 for one member. And then there's a maximum match? Um, Mr. President, there is no match. The, right. the way the it's defined contract. Right. The way Sorry, this, I confused that. Go ahead. Yeah. The way the city's defined contribution uh, program is set up, the city makes the contributions on behalf of the employee. They make 5% for the first five years. Uh, after, after the end of five years, the employee is vested in the system, but concurrent with that, beginning with year six, the contribution goes up to 6%, and there are other points in time where it escalates beyond the 6%. <clears throat> but there is no match employees have the option to participate in the deferred compensation program, which is under a separate IRS uh, section. And that's a voluntary program, but the city does not match your contributions to that. The only city program uh, for new employees is the uh, defined contribution that begins at 5%. Okay. Yes, Ms. Gray. So currently... Are council members allowed to participate in the deferred compensation? Uh, Mr. Jackson is nodding his head no. Sorry, miscommunication, Mr. President. That was, I don't know. I don't know. So the defined contribution plan, would that go retroactive or is it starting, everyone starting year one? It's prospective, so it, it, your, your membership starts on the effective date of the legislation. The members, current members of council and previous members of council uh, in recent years have not been allowed by, by city code to participate in the program. So this is a new membership, and it's prospective. So, and I'm, I'm just trying to understand what... what um, would a council member five years into this retiring be looking at in a return? Five, five years, there would be a, 
what amounts to a, a, a tax-free savings account that that member would be vested in after five years, and it would be 5% of the salary that member had received during that time period. So it would be about five, $5,000. Because, $5, well, there would be the investment return on it as well. Right. So a lot 5, depends on what the maybe. market does, but... Whatever the percentage of return. $6,000 $6, or so after five years, maybe. This is okay. total? After five years, because you're right. getting 5%, 5% of 25000 So this right. is about 1100 a year. So we should, I mean, this, honestly, I don't want anybody to get a false sense of that this is a retirement. This is a savings <coughs> at best. But if you're depending on it for retirement, you're, you're going to be looking at a lot of cat food. <laughs> yes. That's, uh, all right. Fair enough here. We're looking at uh, Ms. Trammell. Mr. President, I need to ask um, Ellen something. Ellen, I thought it was going to go back to, like, I thought... The, like the number of years, but that the request was for it to be retroactive to I the thought. terms of the the members have served, but apparently the recommendation is that we cannot do retroactive. It can only be effective from the date of the legislation that is established. And you know, I agree. I mean, this is, and then you know, um, I mean, there are there are other what's. There are other uh, options that perhaps could be considered. Maybe we need to spend some time looking at what other ways we can really look at uh, providing an opportunity for council members to be a part of the retirement uh, program for the city. But based on the feedback that I've gotten, the requests uh, for it to be retroactive is not possible. And the only only option that we can participate in is the defined contribution. That the other options are not open to us now. Uh, if there's information that's different, then I welcome to know what it is as well. Because at this rate, um, none of the existing council members would be eligible to get to five years because their terms are only four years. Um, and even if we were to serve more than one term, um, $5,000 a year um, is $5,000 a year. It's not much of uh, really providing a retirement option uh, for council members that are paid $25,000 a year. Um, but that's the feedback that I've gotten from the administration, from our staff, I'm sorry, from our staff, not administration. But you're saying we have to, it wouldn't go into effect until like the fifth year, though, right? Or No, I think it goes into effect, and staff can correct me on this, it goes into effect at the time that the ordinance would pass. Um, so if you were to retire before the five years, you would still be eligible for the benefits that you have uh, up to that time? Nothing. 
no. manifested. Mr. No, President, the, the way no, the system go ahead. This, the way the system works is there's a five-year vesting requirement, so that if a if a member departs city service prior to meeting that vesting requirement, which is five years of service, then the city retirement system keeps the balance. All right, so let me make sure here that I've got this. 5% of $25,000 is $1,250. Okay. Yes. Times five is 6250 Correct. So at the end of five years, you are vested in $6,250 total. Plus any investment earnings thereon, which right. could be a lot or it could be your balance could be less than 6250 if you depart city service during a market downturn. And we, we would have the ability to direct where those funds were invested within certain parameters. Within certain parameters. Okay. We couldn't put it in gold futures or something like that. There I'm, might be a fund for that, so let me not make there, light there, of that. There may be a fund for that. You know, I, I know what I've done with mine, but everybody... Right decides differently so this would be let's just throw out an example here so when i turn and <clears throat> excuse me um i'm allowed with social security benefits to retire full social security benefits when i'm 67 years old so at the end of let's just say 10 at, at 10 years that'd be twelve thousand five hundred dollars there as an example, twice the five years. Hypothetically. So plus any, right. And that's, that's the gross number. That's not any kind of monthly annual windfall. That is the dollar amount for how many ever years you've retired. Yes, Ms. Brown. Oh, okay. Ms. Gray. That would also require you to win two more elections. Uh, uh, it so, would. I think, um, and not, not, a, not that you couldn't. I'm not suggesting that. <laughs> what I'm saying <laughs> is um, this retirement plan, without flexibility to purchase years of service, without some kind of provision for, um, like the VRS has a shorter vesting period for political appointees or elected officials, or it just doesn't seem like it's worth the effort. But I could be wrong. I mean, you know, I could be here 30 years from now saying, boy, am I happy this thing passed. I doubt it. It could happen. <laughs> this, just as a reminder, this ordinance is only up here because council had a consensus to put an increase of the 17,000 um, in the general fund because it had an impact. So if council was to decide not to do this, which is an option, then we can we would reduce that increase on the general fund amendments. And, and I understand that okay. um, this was a request, but I think that what I'm trying to say is that it's the details that really matter. So I think we should all know what we're... If we could... We could maybe get more details on this one and possibly uh, move on. And I do there, think. And if there are any other options to make this more feasible, if I mean, 
this is not a job that many of us are able to work full-time and fulfill. So um, I do think it's important. I just don't want people to get a false sense of security that this is going to provide some kind of cushion after this very hard public service job that they're doing. Absolutely. Ms. Trammell. Mr. President, had they come up with 17,000? Had y'all come up with 17,000? The, the 17,000 was, yes. was arrived at by taking a look at the council members' salaries times the applicable uh, percent that, that they would, uh, at which they would accrue contributions to the account. So if this thing was to pass, if it was in July the 1st, we would have to, from our paycheck, how much would we have to put in? No. Uh, again, council members would not put anything into the account. 5% of their salary would be put into their account on their behalf by the city. But there, would, there is no member contribution to the city's defined contribution retirement program. But it wouldn't really work until you had five years in. Is that correct or not? Because something was said about the five years. So Ellen just said you would have to win 2020 because we don't we only serve four years. So if it went in 2018, that'd only be two years. Mm -hmm. So Correct. 2020, that's still not five years. It's only to be only three years. Right. Right. That, that's yes, what, that's what's I, so confusing right now. I think. Well, you know, just for me, I think that. It's not, uh, I don't even know if it's possible that we can do this, but I don't feel like it would be appropriate for us to do something that we would benefit from immediately, but that it puts it off until the next council to be vested in this fund. I think that's very fair. Um, and so I think that's, but that's Mr. President, the way to, to go. If we immediately kick something in, I, I mean, we can't do that because you, you've got to be, every employee has to be here five years in order to be invested in the retirement. And we've been talking about this for over eight years that I know of. Right. Every budget session we talk about this. And then in every budget session we said it will go into effect in the next election. Now here we are, two more years, we're going to the next 2020. So might as well just forget it, Ellen. I know we tried. Might as well just forget it. Well, I hear what you're saying, Mr. Jones. I'm going to support this. I appreciate if you all want to. I guess I'm still out. just trying to follow all the amendments. These are on items that we've already um, either received consensus for or passed. And so this, the way I see these text amendments are just simply adding information and right. clarity and specificity to certain items. And Mr. President, this is just my comment to you. We're 18 minutes in on this section. Right. Okay. That's, that's an excellent point that we have already appropriated this money for this. If someone wants to take that appropriation out, God forbid that we go backwards on this. But these are just telling us what we will need to do in order to implement the budget. So, uh, Mr. Addison. Uh, thank you, Council President. Um, could we explore looking in this conversation years served? 
and that if you get if you're over five years, you get to count that day one as your vested piece. I so think like, we're we've been told that you cannot make this ex post. You you can't go back retros, retroactively. Let's start today. Got to start. start. The, the clock will start July one. Okay. Uh, and then we'll all go from there. Like Miss Gray and I would not be vested, but. Parker and Riva technically could be because they've been here for five years plus. I know this is not possible, but this just seems to be like in a situation like we're discussing. The only way to make it work, in my opinion, or we're never gonna okay. ever well, capitalize I, on it. I mean, I don't think seventeen thousand dollars is worth, God forbid, opening up the the general fund budget again. So why don't we, if you want to take that out at the future, this is just an explanation of what would, we would need to do in order to implement the items that we already have in the budget. So we aren't really discussing the budget right now. These are just, this is what you're going to need to do in order to implement the budget that we have so far agreed to. So if you want to go back and vi- revisit that other issue, we'll do that at an appropriate time. We've actually expended that time, but... Uh, so, Mr. Eichelberger, we're at, we're at number three to just – we're going to have to have an ordinance to uh, to put the sales commission refund into place. Exactly, uh, Mr. President. Council just approved an amendment to the budget to put – to remove from the revenue stream 700000 the first year and $1.4 the second. That will allow the, the – uh, Sellers Commission to be one and a half percent in FY19 and the full three percent in FY20. Um, the only question we had here was settled when Council approved that amendment. We had left a, an X by the percentage for each year, and Megan has okay. just typed in what the percentages would be based on the amendment Council approved. Great. Wonderful. Ms. Uh, Vice President Newbill. Thank you. Um, based on our discussion, um, it seems to me that there needs to be some clarification here because this is not a commission that every single business will receive. They will only receive, only businesses that pay promptly will receive an incentive for that prompt payment. And this does not if you are a business and you look at this, you're expecting a commission for collecting the taxes. So we need to be clear in what this conveys. Mr. President, yes. um, this is a summary and inherent in the code reference to section 58.138.16.1 of the Code of Virginia is the requirement that no one can receive the commission if their tax is delinquent. There are, there are a number of things, and rather than set out the entire Code of Virginia section, um, right. we referenced it. Well, I mean, this is true of any program. If you have a tax abatement and you're delinquent on your taxes, your tax abatement goes away. I mean, those are kind of the provisions. That's, I guess, a given on all the taxes. If you're getting the benefit of something and you don't pay your taxes on time, then it it goes away. But, but Mr. President, they're yes. not getting the benefit. Of th- this is... And maybe the attorney can just opine here. Well, this, I just want to make sure we are clearly conveying what it is that's been agreed to, which is an incentive for timely payment. This is not a commission to every single business who collects, who will get 
who's collecting the 1.5. This is an incentive for timely payment, which is what was conveyed, which is fine. The text just needs to match that so people don't think they will automatically get a rebate every single business because that's not what has been agreed to here. Well, I think we're getting into re-arguing here something. No, I'm not re- I just want to, con- if, if a si- restaurant A picks this up and says, oh, we're going to get a commission for the collection account, then I want them to be able to know accurately okay. what it is that's the case. They're not going to audit. They'll get a commission for timely payment. Right. Any who don't pay timely will not receive a- any sort of, I don't even want to say commit, rebate or whatever we're calling that incentive. That's all, just to have it accurately convey. Okay. I'm not trying to change anything. We've already right. decisioned, but this doesn't seem to match. All right. Well, President. this is just a, an introductory clause here. This is not the entire ordinance that will be uh, And will uh, the rest the of the ordinance speak to very specifically that this is, okay. Just yes. want to be clear. Okay. The... Uh, the uh, mayor's uh, FY20 general fund contribution to Richmond oh, Public oh, Schools. Mr. President. Question. Yes. Yeah. Kim had her hand raised, and, and oh, I'd no, like sorry, to go Ms. Gray. after Ms. Gray. I, like I just, um, just wanted to point out that Himrico has that language not only in their ordinance but also on their website that speaks to um, seller's commission is a portion of the tax collected that's kept by the seller to offset the cost of administering the tax. You can earn seller's commission when you file and pay on time. So it's clear in all of the other localities and ordinances that you have to file and pay on time to be able to collect that so or to be able to retain that. So um, I have no issue with that, and I think we are clearly stated that we want that in the language, and that's something that we can Yeah, I'm just on. wanting to make sure that piece is there. That's all. And so if it's somewhere else, I'm, yes. I'm good. Mr. Jones. But, hold on, hold on, Bill. Hold on. Mr. Jones. President, have I have the floor. the floor. Yes, you have the floor. I would just like that as a part of the narrative up front and for it to specify that because that reads one way and what our friends at the press are going to do, they're going to say all of council approved this, and all of council did not. It was a consensus of council that they did. But not all of council supports this. I'm not re-arguing this, but I would just like specificity as much as possible in that, uh, uh, especially if this is going public, which it is now, as specific as possible so that our constituents understand what has transpired in this meeting today because it seems as if we are simply incentivizing someone to do what they should already do, that is pay your taxes on time. So if it's something other than that, you would just help me out at my next district meeting by us as staff getting that out up front, not just in the ordinance because, again, if this is the first piece that goes out, that's the one that's going to be in the public's mind. And I just want clarity on it. That's all. Thank you, Mr. President. You are welcome here. So if we can just add this to the, I 
totally understand here. We're referencing a code number, but if we could just maybe throw some language on there to where it's in the introductory part of the clause of the uh, of the ordinance, then I think we can roll with that. Okay. Yes, Ms. Robertson, and I really don't want to get bogged down in this, but please just... go ahead. We just I want us to stick to going forward with the contribution of the public. This is just an information thing to us as to what we're going to need to do in order to implement this budget. That's it. Ms. Robertson. Thank you, Mr. President. Um I am not convinced that what we are saying in this um, um, giving the rest, this is only for restaurants, businesses, is that correct? Anyone that pays a meals tax. Anyone that pays meal tax. It's only as it relates to meals tax. Um, And one of the things that I think if we're going to, in addition to making sure that only those businesses that pay meal tax and pay their taxes on time uh, are rewarded for paying their bills on time with an incentive from the general fund dollars um, for having done what they are charged with doing of paying their bills on time. I think that it's also important that we look at whether or not they're paying their bill in full by actually doing an audit, uh, having having a, a baseline audit to validate sales um, so that we know that the that the amount that is collected in meal tax is accurate uh, as well as as well as on time in order for us to um, provide um, a rebate of a certain percentage back to people that for to those who are paying meal tax on time so I would like to amend this amendment uh, to include that uh, the administration will also conduct an audit to ensure that the self-reporting is is accurate. Okay. All right, so we can get into, once we have an ordinance before us here, this is just kind of a general outline of the ordinances that will be necessary in order to implement our budget. So when we get into the specifics of that, then we'll 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 work that that out. If, okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. Yes. While we're still on this one, the administration I, asked that that I point out that during the discussion of this item uh, on the budgetary side previously Council had expressed a desire that the school funding portion of the meals tax um, be held harmless from that reduction on the the to pay for the commission. So the ordinances that are before you in a week or so to actually implement this will also include 
that change we discussed to the uh, percentage that goes to schools because the percentage going to schools will have to be slightly higher than one-fifth. I think I calculated it will have to be 20.3 instead of 20%. And that will hold the school's portion harmless from this action. Okay. All right, Ms. Robertson. Harmless or exempt? It ex- exempt. Well, there's there's no way to specifically exempt because the meals tax is a lump, and once the meals tax comes into the city, there is a division that one fifth goes to the school's special fund, and the other four fifths stays in the general fund. And so, what this will do is the meals tax comes in at a lesser amount. So, if you just still stuck with the one fifth four fifths then that would reduce both of those portions. And what, what you'll need to do is you'll need to slightly increase the school's portion so that it stays. If you'll remember, it's 9100000 and some odd thousand. If you want it to stay at 9100000 and some odd thousand, it has to go to a slightly higher percent. Madam Vice President. I just want to be absolutely clear. When we had this discussion, we said under no circumstance would the dollars to schools be reduced in any form or fashion. Whatever language is necessary to put in place to ensure that $150 million is leveraged for schools, that's what needs to happen. And if there's any confusion about that, then I'd like to really talk about this. This, we were clear about this. This was going to be a reliable and sustainable for, source of funding for that purpose. And I'm not just looking. I'll aim this way so you don't think I'm aiming for you. But whatever is necessary. And if that is not the commitment, then let's go back to the discussion. I think that that absolutely, the way you described it, is what we're doing. That, that there will need no monies that were supposed to be going to schools that won't be going to them still. This is holding harmless the schools from this action. So, number two, admissions tax collection. Um, number two, which no, I is... Think, I think we're on the last item on page one. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry here. I'm skipping ahead. No. Go ahead. If we can start the clock over on this one, and we will uh, not exceed five minutes on these going forward. Oh. Thank you. Um, Megan's correct. The last one on page one. Um, this is one of two that would require an ONR request, but the ONR request is simply uh, worded the same as what you see here in that the patron is requesting a resolution that expresses the desire of counsel that the general fund budget to be introduced in March of 2019 will fund the city's contribution for Richmond Public Schools at no less than the amount appropriated by council in the adopted general fund budget for FY19. You may recall that the um, FY19 budget relies on about $12.5 million of one-time funding, which, of course, won't be available in the second year, so this is just trying to hold schools harmless as you move into 2020. Ms. Gray. So just to be clear, we would have to cut or find $12.5 in additional revenue in 2020 
if there isn't an additional surplus amount of $12.5 million. Correct. So this is seriously would tie our hands. I mean, this is contemplating an increase in the school's budget of $12.5 million in 2020. Yes. Uh, well, Bill shaking his head no. What, what this contemplates is keeping the school's budget in 2020 exactly the same as what it is in 2019. And it's $12.5 million in one-time funds in 2019. Yes, there is. But those one-time funds would not be one-time funds because we'd have to find them in 2020. So it would be at least two times. The, the resolution is asking that those monies be found in order to keep the school budget level. So what it's contemplating is... Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. The mayor's budget is proposing to allow schools to keep $12.5 million in surplus that they've accumulated in the current fiscal or prior fiscal years. It, part, of it, part of it is um, the, yes, it's, it's the school's balance. It's coming from the school's it's a balance, balance that's FY17. of unspent money from FY17. So we're allowing for unspent money that accumulated in a budget to carry forward in 2019 and spend all that and then we're going to come back next year even if even if you don't i mean this doesn't contemplate that they may have unspent money in their 2018 budget so if if this continues to be a pattern as you know Last year was eight million that was accumulating. What would be the justification for piling more money on if the money that's being appropriated hasn't been spent? That yes, that that's probably more appropriately addressed by the patron. Okay, Mr. Agilesto. Thank you. And um, as for standard procedures, I, I would like to provide an introduction as to the purpose of this. Um, yes. Every year, uh, council uh, receives the, the mayor's proposed budget. And last year, we, or for the current fiscal year, we did a single year. We didn't do a biennial budget. Uh, every year, we develop a two-year pl- uh, Now we're doing a two-year plan and we will be appropriating FY19, but FY20 is a plan. It will come back to the council for us to then uh, adopt uh, for the FY2020. We should be anticipating a conversation at this time next year again about what our commitment and what our funding is for public education. While we have uh, received a budget and nobody has proposed increasing or decreasing the 
uh, allocation to Richmond Public Schools for their operations. It does represent a significant amount of money that is from a one-time funding source. There's no future money for that source for the FY 2020 budget. So essentially, they have come to us and they said that they need to hire audit staff, that they need to hire additional um, language uh, specialists, that there are a number of things that aren't just one-time expenses, but they are being funded by one-time revenues. We have to essentially instill continuity of these programs. Otherwise, why even make the, the investment once? The proposed budget for next fiscal year, or for 2020, for Richmond Public Schools coming from the city is $156 million. This year, it's $169 million for FY 2019. The current fiscal year is $159. So we're projecting in FY 2020, it's going to be less than their current fiscal year. Last fiscal year was 177, and the fiscal year prior was 171. So I asked the question, is it really our intent to um, have less funding apportioned to Richmond Public Schools than they did five years ago? That doesn't make sense to me. That simply tells me there's a consistent disinvestment. And having a text amendment in here I believe signals to the public that we, for the FY 2020 budget deliberations, will find the money and not divest from Richmond Public Schools. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Ms. Gray, we're at almost seven minutes. Mr. President. Yes, I'm sorry. Like Ms. Larson, ago. you had your hand up. I apologize. And then Ms. Gray. Okay. So... Do we have a surplus right now in fiscal year 20 in the general fund? I thought there was an adjustment because of the revenue increase projections. Yes. Uh, currently, there's uh, about $1.9 Okay. Um, and then... Does fiscal year 20 include the increases for fire and police that we um, implemented last year? I think it was a three-year rollout, right? Um, the administration will have to confirm, but I'm pretty sure their fiscal year uh, 20 proposed budget included the funding needed for police and fire. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Mr. President. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, Ms. Gray and then Ms. Robertson. Ms. Gray, did you have another comment? Or Okay. Ms. Robertson had her hand up and has Please. not spoken yet. Please go ahead, Ms. Robertson. Um. Okay, so I, I just want to go back to the amendment that we are dealing with right now um, for FY20 for schools. Um, clarification um, as it relates to the amount that we are suggesting that would be in the budget for FY20. 
no amount? Is there a amount in this? Um, Currently, the mayor's proposed budget is roughly about 159, and the fiscal year uh, 19 is 169. Um, and so, this is this resolution is expressing council's desire to, at, at a minimum, keep fiscal year 20 at the same level as fiscal year 19. Okay, I'd like to be a patron on that amendment. And secondly. Um, the 1.9 million surplus that you're speaking of, is that for year 20? Yes, that's fiscal year 20. And we have not appropriated that to anything at, at the present time? Not at the present time, no. Is it possible to add an amendment to appropriate that 1.9 to year 20 for schools? If that's the desire of council? I'd like to request that we do that, Mr. President. Okay, is that an amendment to to this? Yes, I'm not sure. I mean, we can we can do this here. I'm just I'm concerned that we're going to get bogged down with this. But go ahead, uh, Ms. Gray. So I understand how people feel as a parent for 20 plus years in Richmond Public Schools. We feel that we have to do something and that schools have been underfunded. However, I take issue with a school district that has millions of dollars remaining in the budget every year, and then we have parents come up in tears saying, we needed, we needed one more records person, and my, my child's transcripts wouldn't have been messed up. That is not the case. There are some fundamental issues. There is a new superintendent who came in making a quarter of a million dollars, roughly. Hired five people making more than a million with salaries and benefits. And we're saying, let's just throw more and more money over there and see what happens, see what sticks, see where the results are. I, just the same as I say, there's no plan to consolidate buildings. There's no plan to, to, make it, to find efficiencies and do the right thing. What is the plan for getting our students from point A to point B, and where does this money feed into that? I know um, whether or not you agreed with the academic improvement plan that Dr. Bedden had, there was a plan, and it said we're going to have more counselors here, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. What is the plan, and how is this going to impact the outcome? And I just don't know that this is a responsible way to budget, honestly. Um, I'm, I was bothered when I came here and found out there was $8 million in surplus on the school side that I didn't know anything about. I'm bothered that there's $12.5 million when children are in need. But if we keep throwing more money at it, the budget just gets bigger and bigger, and children don't get any smarter as a result of what's happening in those walls. So I need to know what the plan is and how, how that works. I just don't think this is responsible. Thank you, Ms. Gray. Ms. Cuffey-Glenn? 
Yes, sir. It's Selena Cuffey, Glenn, CAO for the City of Richmond. And certainly we agree with the concerns being raised by Councilwoman Gray uh, because, as you all know, one of the things that we try to do as part of our efforts with schools is to work with them in creating what may be available as they look at their uh, surpluses as well. So I think it puts the city in a precarious position when the resolution is not as clear. It is a resolution, so I know it's not legislation that mandates, but I think the concerns are very legitimate uh, as it relates to what schools perhaps might have as we close out 2019 as well as the city. Number two, I think is unwise or imprudent for us to recommend that the 1.9 projected revenues be allocated for schools at this time. Uh, we're still trying to close out the year. We don't know how the year will certainly end, June 30th. So I think there are some real concerns, questions that have to be answered, and I would not want council to make a decision without having all the good information uh, as it relates to the resolutions before you. But certainly we do agree with the concerns being raised, and I think there needs to be a pause uh, as we look at closing out 2019 and what may be available for 2020. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Trammell. Mr. President, I too feel the same way that Kim feels because I know that this council and you, especially you, all of us have fought every year to give more money to the schools even when the previous mayor did not put the money for the schools. Also, I've asked for an audit on those schools. When I'm hearing um, from parents that are telling me that they hear from school board members that said they're not closing those schools. They might close in 2020, but they're not going to be closing any schools right now because this is not the time to do it. Also, it's been said, you know, that we give them the money and they are the ones that decide what to do with the money, how it's going to be spent in a classroom on whatever they feel that they want to do with that money. That's why I've asked for an audit to find out where is, it, where is all that money going because to me, it looks like every year the schools are getting worse instead of improving in some way. Thank you, Ms. Trammell. Uh, Vice President Newbill, and we are yeah, almost at 15 you. minutes. I'll, I'll endeavor you. to be brief. Um, it is important that we have um, quality um, educational facilities but it's also important that we have excellent academic programming. Um, I think we have to ensure that that is the case. We are in a memorandum of agreement, if you will, with the Department of Education. We have only 17 out of the 40-something uh, schools um, accredited. And so being ensuring that we're also focused on the academic side, which is what this allows us to do, not just the facilities, it's both and, it's not either or, becomes critical from my perspective. I think that uh, it is not at this time for me um, to add on a 1.9 until we close out that amendment, I would not support, but really looking at and ensuring that academic program is equal academic programming is equally uh, as addressed and having some conveyance that we are committed to that, especially, again, <laughs> we're in conversation with DOE. That's not just about buildings. And yes, schools, does, they do have work to do, but it's not just about buildings. It's the academic programming, and this gets to that for me. Okay. It looks all right. So, I mean, is this, 
we can pass this at the same time the budget is, but I'm, I'm not seeing the connection between our budget and these resolutions and amendments to these resolutions. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but, I mean, we can go ahead and, and go through this one as to if we have consensus on it, but there's nothing to prevent a council member from putting these forward at any time. These are resolutions. Um, so I'm trying to get through the budget. Did I miss something here that how are these related directly to the budget? Yes, Ms. Brown. The patron requested them to be added, um, but you are correct. They don't have to be passed with the budget and can be um, introduced, and council can take action um, at a later date okay. if they so choose. That's what I would prefer to do. Mr. Agilasto, are you, do you have a problem with that? <clears throat> I guess the, the purpose of this is really in this plan, this biennial budget plan that, that we articulate uh, the council's position, um, and therefore I was trying to put it in with the budget uh, discussion. I hear from a majority of the council members that uh, they don't support this resolution uh, to provide uh, for no less than than the FY19 allocation in FY20. Um, we can certainly bring it back as a resolution for discussion at another time, but if if we can get consensus on this now, then we may not have to even bring it back. So have it a wave of hands okay. and just have at it. Fine. We'll go ahead with the Mr. Jones. Mr. President, in light of your, your comments, I, I would ask staff and or you, any of these drafts, amendments, resolutions that are not tied to this budget, can we put it in the proper place? Right, and I that because right. again, so some of these this, right, I Mr. Totally President, agree. some of these actually need more discussion. They do than, than we're allowing right now, and so I would hate to see some of the work that my colleagues did on these get shortchanged because we don't have ample time to discuss it as counselors and then hear from administration, and then uh, you know. The other piece is public debate to hear what the public has to say about about uh, about these, and so I, that that would be my recommendation that any anything else in this packet that is not directly tied to the budget that we would table it or you and Madam Vice President find the proper place in which we ought to discuss it, whether it's uh, informal. Next formal or, or whatever, I'd, I'd ask that, Mr. President. I, I totally agree with that. So, is there a consensus that we that we exclude discussions of items that we? I mean, we can we can look at a consensus on this one, but I don't want to discuss another one that is not directly related to the budget. Okay, Mr. Jones. I, I don't think it's fair to even do a consensus on this okay. because again, I mean, I'm sitting back not. I'm holding back conversation or my own opinion because, okay, is this part of the, the budget debate? If it's not, if it's not, then, yeah, I want to discuss this more thoroughly than okay. we are right now. Wonderful. Then that's what we'll do. Ms. Gray. I do think it's relevant to the discussion because I understand um, from certain school board members that the plan is to take that one-time funding 
and hire a bunch of people and do things that aren't typically done with one-time funding. Um, <clears throat> I would hope that there is a very responsible approach to how that one-time funding is is used because I do think that having this discussion now, if we all determine that we cannot guarantee that another $12.5 million is going to be funded in 2020, that there would be no excuse for why we'd be hearing that, oh, we're going to have to lay off X number of people that we hired with that one-time funding, which really you're not supposed to do anyway. But I, I think it's important and relevant. Um, I think we need to begin deliberating about 2020, not next January or even next October. I think we need to be having conversations and discussions on our budget for 2020 as soon as we get done with this one because there's never enough time to, to work through all this. And I do think that it needs to be a collaborative conversation with the school board and the superintendent on what the intent of the additional funding would be along with the state. So I well, right, we can take that into consideration at I I hear what you're saying that it that there's that there is some connection to the current budget. I think that's what you were saying. Yeah. But not a direct one necessarily. Well, I think to we need to be to the finish line. clear yeah. right now. If today we're not willing okay. to say yes, we're going to put another twelve and a half million to to flat fund in twenty twenty. We need to make that clear. Okay, that's my that's where I am on it. So, anybody else want to, Miss Robertson? Uh, yes, sir. Um, thank you, Mr. President. Uh, when I look through this budget, there is not one significant department in our budget that has zero funding for 2020. Not one. And for us to have schools educating our children as a high priority and not have one cent in the budget for 2020. There is no other department that we would even risk doing that. And and I think that this amendment is directly related to this budget. The fact that we have nothing in this budget for 2020. And to make a commitment to a flat at least flat funding, I think, is the minimum that we should be able to do. Now, that is, and I agree with everything that my colleagues that have served on the school board, and it's very enlightening to have this kind of conversation coming from those that have previously served on the school board, because many of the challenges that we are speaking of are not new. They have been challenges that we've been concerned about for some time. Um, but I think it's very um, irresponsible to pass a budget for schools to have absolutely, absolutely nothing in the general fund uh, for 2020. So I support this amendment. Well, thank you, Ms. Robertson. There, there is an allocation in the budget for, I think, $156 million for schools next year. Yes, it's I understand that, but it's not, when I say that, I mean as it relates to 
the fund the increase in funding that we have this year. Okay. All right. So if we can just get a consensus on this one and from and I know I've said this like eighty seven times here, but I'm gonna say it for the eighty eighth time. After we get through this one, I don't want to discuss the admissions tax collection because I don't think it is related to this budget, even though I'm in total agreement with it. But the text amendments will hear from the patrons succinctly for a minute. And if no one has any questions, we're going to move on to the next one. All right. So let's get if there's a it sounds like that people are very strongly saying that this is or at least several members are, that this is related to this budget. So I'm going to allow this one. Okay, but we're not going to discuss the next one, and we're going to go on to text amendments, which I think make up the rest of the program here. So um, do we have a consensus on that we want to uh, pass this, that we would fund at no less than, than the amount? And we'd have to do a resolution on this matter. But uh, we've got one, two... Ms. Robertson, are you? This is a consensus to put this item in the budget. No less than the what's, right. what's no appropriated than, along right. with the one-time funding. Yes. So the twelve and a half million. Okay. Absolutely so not. Okay. One, two, three, four. And uh, Mr. Addison, are you aware of what's on the floor? We're doing a consensus as to whether to put this. Uh, resolution forward on the fund balance. Excuse me. Okay. All right. We got four. No consensus. All right. Let's move on to the text amendments. Uh, Mr. Agilasto, are you ready? Can we can we come back to yours if you? Okay. All right. Miss Larson, you're up for number three, non-departmental. Um, so I think number two. Number two is Mr. Is Mr. Addison and Mr. Agalusto. Yes. You want me to speak to this? While Mr. Agalusto is not in. Right. Go ahead and Mr. Addison, are you are you comfortable with you Absolutely. just talking about this one? All right, then let's go with that. Number um, two. Department of Public Works, vacancy funding. As part of the um, uh, Safe and Healthy Streets Commission efforts, they've um, formally announced their Vision Zero um, plan. And in that, one of the things is a key need is a coordinator who's able to work throughout the administration across the different agencies and departments focusing on these exact issues. Uh, there are many parts of this project in place from police, public works, um, traffic Bike coordinator, BRT, all these different things are going together to focus on how we're going to create our safer streets. And given the unfortunate um, recent events with uh, some traffic fatalities and other accidents as a whole, having someone whose key focus is driving these initiatives, coordinating them across all the people within the agencies internally and externally the city is key for that. So what we were doing here is at putting in a text amendment that said we wanted the vacancy savings of public works to be allocated directly to the hiring of this position, which I understand was already on the table as a conversation point with the administration. This was not formalized yet. And so all we're doing is making this be a more formal ask as a text amendment. Okay. Is there any objection to this one? I have a question. Yes. 
Mr. Trammell, then Vice President gonna, Newbill. Um, is this going to cut public works? Is this going to take? No, it's not. Well, it says um, it just time. designates that these dollars that were increased in their budget go for this purpose. All right. Any comments on this one? Yes, Vice President Newbill. So, uh, while I certainly see the importance here of having a Vision Zero coordinator, I was wanting to get some clarity relative to DPW's um, efforts to this end uh, thus far. Is this already being worked on? So can someone from the administration speak to this matter? If you don't have any objections to it, we'll just our comments to make. We'll move on. All right. Okay. Thank Next, you. Ms. Larson. So what is the reasoning behind having this coordinator in the finance department? I, I thought they were in the public works department, but. <clears throat> Mr. President. Yes, I'm uh, sorry. To clarify, that is the finance and administration program within the Department of Public Works. Right. So the department is public works, but council has, with public works, subdivided that budget into programs. So we have to designate which program it's going to come out of. So it's a finance program within DPW. Well, it's no, it, let me, I'm sorry here if I can. You've got up here public works, then you right. have finance, administration, and operating funds. So we're saying the whole allocation of that monies under the uh, finance administration subline item for public works at this $60,000 that is in that line item will be spent for this specific purpose. Does that okay. make sense? Not exactly. I, I, kind of. Um, but, I mean, they're going to be working with, in the, with the traffic folks. Right, right, and they will be within DPW, just the finance and administration part of DPW. Okay. All right, Ms. Gray. So, what would what would the role of this person be beyond what the traffic engineers are working to accomplish? It's more fully vetted and explained in the Vision Zero plan as a whole. They have a job description titled "Duties Responsibilities." It just wasn't part of the text amendment, but I do have that support documentation that outlines from natural best practices what that role does, and it is used in many other cities around the country of someone who helps coordinate these efforts and tracks the data and presents how are we doing with the implementation of key initiatives in this capacity. So, and, and just sure. because I met with um, the sports backers and they said that they're taking on a portion of that responsibility and that's what they're a big portion of the allocation and the non-departmental fund is covering. So, and they've have said it, <clears throat> dealing with these issues of these projects and initiatives across the city with from BRT bike share you name it across the entire organization that it's hard because there's no one person they can talk to on the city hall city hall that can address those issues that's that and that's what this job would be is the coordinator of understanding what's going on currently what's underway what's been done and so that they can work with sports backers and their capacity what they're doing on the outside which is more of the engagement marketing, this is more of the internal of 
how are we doing with the bike lanes? How are we doing with the, the traffic calming issues? How are we doing with new traffic light timing? And those things internally to City Hall, because that's not what they do. It's a separate piece. Okay. Okay. All right, no objections to that, Ms. Larson. Uh, um, so we spent quite a bit of time talking about this farmer's market grant program when I brought it forward earlier. So since we had talked and I got um, feedback, it seemed like the easiest way to uh, administer the mini grants would be to have it go through a third party. Um, and so I've talked to Enrichment about having them administer the grants so we would allocate the money, give them the parameters for the grants, and then they would award the mini grants based on what we had discussed. And so this text amendment is just outlining that through the $50,000 allocation. Okay. Any objections to this one? All right. Moving on here. And are, are these all ones that got... That's great. I'm sorry. Are these all initiatives that got five people to say, yeah, that's a great idea? Okay. Right. Okay. I mean, the budget will be voted on as a whole, but if we want to pull this out as an amendment, okay. All right, great. We got one done in one minute and 19 seconds. Ms. Larson. Okay. I'll try and beat my record. Um, so this next one we've talked about several times. I withdrew my initial uh, proposal for the $50,000 to launch this program and instead wrote a text amendment um, using some existing dollars in the police fund uh, up to $2,500 um, for research and planning of this program to launch in fiscal year 20. And this is the um, security camera incentive program. Okay. Very good. Ms. Trammell. I'd like to, maybe not right now, but later on, have a maybe a report from the police department, how do these cameras really work? Do the cameras really stop crime from happening? When, when so many people have an alarm system, they have their, their property posted that says that they have alarm system with the stickers and all of that. And I'm hearing that people, if they want to break in, they're going to still try to break in even if that person is in that house. So I want to know, how do the cameras really work? Do the cameras really stop somebody from doing something? Because I know if you have the cameras up, you're supposed to have something posted that says that you have cameras up on your property. Is that correct? That's what I've been told. Oh, okay. Thank you. I didn't yes. know you were here. I'm always here. <laughs> I mean, I didn't... <laughs> Good morning, Council. Uh, and that is... Uh, I would say something. That's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, again, good morning. Again, as uh, Ms. Larson mentioned, that's the purpose of the study is so that we can a adequately define 
what our expectations are, what other cities have. I can give you anecdotal evidence at this point, but I'd rather give you hard facts on what the program entails. Is it true that if you have these cameras up, you have to have something on your property that says that you have cameras posted? That is one of the ways that it has been implemented in other cities, either through a decal or through some signage, that uh, you're a part of the program, that a participating person or participating business in this um, effort. Well, I was told, okay, I'm, I'm not talking about the, pro the program, okay. You're saying that if we if we adopt this program, you have to have it. You have to have signage that says it, that you have cameras up. If you're not in this program, like say me, I'm I'm just a private citizen. I want to put cameras up on my house. I still have to post it that says that I have cameras up on my property. That that's not at all the intent. Um, I'm sorry, what? I don't believe that's the intent of this at all. That's what I've been told. Okay. Alan, um, can you help me? Yes, I'm sorry, Mr. Jackson. Um, I don't believe there's any legal requirement that you post those signs. I suspect the reason it's done is to serve as an additional deterrent to anyone who uh, has in mind uh, possibly committing a crime on that property. You put up a sign, tell them they're being televised. Hopefully they'll be less inclined to commit the crime. But I don't, I'm not aware of any legal requirement that when you put a camera on your home, on your business, uh, that you must post such a sign. Okay, I'd like to have that in writing, please, because I was told not only from Richmond but in Chesterfield that if you were to get these cameras put up, like you have to get the signage that says that you have it, that you that your property. It may be part of their program requirements, something that's imposed as a part of that program. And it could be imposed as a part of this program, but it would be something that's simply part of the program, not a general legal requirement. But I'll check into it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Great. Let's see. Uh, Ms. Larson, Mr. Jones, and then Vice President Newbill. Councilmember Trammell, um, these are really good questions. And so in the text amendment, I put in um, that we work with the police department over on this over the next year and that they come to our public safety meetings and give us quarterly updates so we can work through some of this. We can provide them questions we're getting from the community and they can let us know what they're finding out in their research and we can finesse all that over the next 12 months. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Just a quick question of process. I remember us discussing this. Did this get, did this receive consensus? Um, I withdrew the the original um, the the original amendment of fifty thousand dollars because the police department asked for more time to work on the details of the program. So that's why I'm putting it in as a text amendment. Um, so that it's in writing that we're working on it over the next year and that the plan is to roll it out in fiscal year 20. And so, Mr. President, we're looking for consensus on this particular project at this point in time. We're looking for consensus on this amendment. Excuse me, this text amendment. This text amendment. Okay, thank you. Okay. All right. Uh, Vice President. And so, so and, and again. Yes, sir. 
if this is just a minute and we move, we're not giving ample, we're not being given ample opportunity to discuss these. And that, that, that's my only concern, just as a matter of process. If we're just going through these, if it's a part of the budget, then we need time to discuss it and not just, you know, a cursory glance and we move through it. Because I do have a lot of questions as we begin to talk about, you know, security cameras, what areas, what parts of town will they be used in, um, cost of programs of this nature, the impact of uh, lower income communities not being able to afford it and thereby not taking advantage of it. And so, again, it's the haves that are benefiting from programs like these. And so, Mr. President, if we're not going to allow for amp Mr. President, if we're not going to allow, I'll wait. I'm sorry. If we're not going to allow for proper discussion, I, I think we're shortchanging ourselves because Ms. Cramwell has a wonderful, she has, she has a great point, but it's just being just moved through and not discussed and not handled. Well, and that, that's my only concern. And, and I hear that. I also hear Ms. Trammell kind of, sh I don't know, I thought that her and Ms. Larson were agreeing with, with one another that we would, this is $2,500 to use for the planning for the institution of a private security camera incentive program. I mean, we rejected the grants, okay, but this was just a small I, I amount I of money. I withdrew the grant. I'm sorry? I, I withdrew the original exactly. proposal. Right. This isn't the, that one that we didn't come to consensus on. This is just monies to see if we can possibly do that, and, and it's $2,500. So I guess my, my point is, you know, a dollar is a dollar, but a million dollars is more, $60, $60,000, $156, whatever the number is in here. But, Mr. President, is this is not about a dollar amount, but a mm -hmm. praxis. Right. And that that's the and so as we do things like these, I do want to have a discussion with our public safety officials on how this is going to be meted out, the equity within a program like this across the entire city, because again, areas that are plagued by uh, uh, crime and violence, there's no solution for our districts because we do not have the discretionary funds in households to take advantage of programs like we're suggesting. And so all I'm saying is I would like an opportunity to discuss this from a methodology standpoint, not just from a dollar standpoint, because whether it was $2,500, whether it was $500,000, we're at some point going to point back to this study as justification of why we spend 500000 and so my thing is I would much rather enter into that debate right now about the ethics of a program like this and the impact that it has on lower-income communities. So, All right. Great. Uh, Ms. Larson. So the whole point of the text amendment is, it says, will be used for planning of the institution of a private security camera incentive program with quarterly updates to the Public Safety Standing Committee. So it has not been decided how this program is going to roll out. And all the things you're bringing up, I think, are discussion points that will be had within the next 12 months. 
And I would encourage my fellow council members to participate in those discussions and come to the public safety meetings and be part of the process. The whole point of a text amendment, this text amendment, is to have a process and a dialogue and discussion. All right. Yes, uh, Ms. Trammell and then Vice I, President Newbill, and we are at yeah. 10 minutes. Please yes, just ahead. one thing, Mr. President. $2,500, I would think that maybe if we all didn't agree for you to take that, maybe you could use your district funds to use it for this purpose. And also, there was one thing that I definitely meant to ask earlier. The Commonwealth Attorney's Office, what is their role? What is, what is going to be, how are they going to play a part in this? That's, that's one that I definitely need to know. Yes. Uh, Can you answer that? Do you want me to answer that? Or you yes, or, or ahead, the... And then, or Will, I mean... So, well, yes, I'm there, sorry. There are, there are a number of issues that y'all have raised, all of which are very valid points. Um, and to your comment, Mr. Jones, on, on the impact of our low-income housing areas and our low-income families, that's exactly the purpose of this project is that it provides funding so that it's not coming out of the pocket of those families, that we provide them with, with uh, some uh, monetary impact that offsets the cost of security cameras so that they can have a more secure home. Um, to your point, Ms. Trammell, certainly there is nothing, that, as, as Mr. Jackson has said, there's nothing that's going to force you into the program, that's going to force you to comply with the guidelines of this program. But it is a, an effort in which we hope to positively impact uh, crime in our, in our neighborhoods, very simply. The, the $2,500 that Ms. Larson proposes, and it's a proposal that the police department supports, is a study which allows us to see what is the best method, given input from council, given input from administration, given input from our businesses and our citizens, on how to best implement that program. I understand that, but you didn't answer my question. I'm asking, what role would the Commonwealth Attorney's Office play in this? I, I want to know what... Certainly the Commonwealth Attorney's Office will play a part in terms of prosecution of cases in which uh, video evidence is utilized, uh, as they currently do now with whether it's our body camera footage or whether it's a, 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 a city camera, a city-owned camera or a privately-owned business camera in which we obtain that information um, voluntarily from the business. So Michael Herring will assign somebody in his office to give us updates on this. Is that correct? I, I can't speak to what Mr. Herring will do. No, no ma'am. I don't, I don't know that answer. Well, he, I mean, he's been brought into this now. He's brought into this discussion. I'd like to know what kind of role is he going to play, him or his office? I want to know that. Okay. I agree. I think that's a very good question, and I think that's a question, though, that Mr. Herring will have to answer in the process of developing this uh, program. All right, thank okay. you. Okay. Um, uh, Vice President Newbill, then Ms. Larson, then Ms. Gray. Okay, so 13 minutes. my concern here is that this does not speak to a study and a set of recommendations being produced. This is, speaks to a foregone conclusion that we will, in fact, have a private security camera incentive program and that what the 2500 is towards the planning for the institution of the program in collaboration with Commonwealth's attorney office with a target date of July 1, 2019. This is how I'm reading this. 
So if it is intended to be a study, this is not what this says here. This said we're going to have a private school, and this is the 2500 towards planning. So if I've misread, uh, please help me. Um, I understand to have a study to, and a set of recommendations that come back to this body, but this is not what I'm reading here unless there's something else. Okay, anybody can help me. Well, okay. Yes, Ms. Larson. Um, I, I know Ms. Gray had her hand up for a while. Well, I understand, but I'd like to have okay. this issue so addressed. So I'm open to changing the language to okay. say study. The point is okay. to, to work in collaboration with RPD. I, I'm not that, having any trouble with that at all. If it said study and set of recommendations back to this body relative to right. the implementation of such a plan, Either way, one way or the other, but this just says it precludes, we're going to do it, this is just the planning for it. So if that can be, then that would work for me. Okay. Can't. Okay. So we'll change this to a study to figure out the, the as long as possibility. It, yeah, I don't. Part. Look, my intent is not to spend $50,000 studying this when we know there's other localities that... So I just don't want it to get off the rails. I mean, I, I understand the nuance of a study versus planning, but I, my understanding is RPD is going to look at other localities that have this type of program. And exactly. Okay. All right, can we get some, some language here on that and then just come back to it to make sure that it says just a study? Okay. Um, all right, do we have consensus on this one that if we change it to study? Yes. Uh, oh. Okay. Mr. President, I don't... Yes. Ms. Gray never... Okay. All right. Can I just say one more thing to Councilmember Trammell about the Commonwealth's attorney? I have talked to Mike Herring, and he was extremely supportive of it um, in, in theory. So, and the way it's administered in the District of Columbia is through an office like that. So that's why he's, that's I why I mentioned his I name. I'm doing break. I'll, I will have a discussion with you too, okay? Okay. All right, thanks. Thank you, uh, Ms. Uh, Larson. Excuse me. Um, if the officer will please state his name for the record. I'm sorry. Will Smith. All right. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay, Ms. Larson, number five, Department of Parks, Recreation, and Community <laughs> Services. Okay. All right, I'll try and beat my original record. And I believe Councilmember Agilesto is a co-patron on this, too. So he might want to weigh in. But this is um, to correspond with the allocation being made for the development of a park rangers program that would help patrol high-need areas of the park um, and provide uh, a stopgap, if you will, to um, the lack of public safety resources that we have in our 
parks um, that get nearly 2 million visitors annually, but yet do not have a lot of dedicated resources um, in terms of um, public safety resources. So these were not, would not be um, officers. They would be trained, um, called park rangers, and they would uh, serve as a liaison, if you will, um, and be staff that would be in the park, parks in high-need areas, high-traffic areas during um, times that the park staff, as well as the different public safety authorities identify as needed areas. Okay. Uh, Vice President Newbill. Okay. Uh, just a point of clarification. It was my understanding that we did not have consensus on this item when we addressed it. Um, from our recollection and from our tally sheets that this did get consensus for, on the increases. Okay. Thank you. Ms. Gray. So, again, you know, I'm sure this would be great if we had all the things taken care of at the very basic level that we did, but I have a hard time with a program that contemplates adding another layer of government bureaucracy to parks that we don't even have enough money right now to maintain or bring up to basic park standards. So I just, honestly, I get what this is trying to accomplish. I don't know that it would accomplish that. Um, I would be supportive of someone looking at a program that that somehow enlisted volunteers like the police department does to enforce some rules or regulations. But I don't know that this would um, accomplish what it sets out to do. And I think that in the face of having park spaces that aren't being funded fully, that aren't up to basic maintenance and standards to say we're going to spend additional funds to create a whole new program is not the most equitable way to look at how we do business. Thank you, Ms. Gray. Um, um, do we have, I guess I have a question here if no one else has a comment. Um, so, one, that the Seasonal park ranger staff, okay, so that would be that no one would be there during the winter time. Is that unless the park was, I mean, when it says seasonal, I guess I'm not sure what that means. So the, the idea is to um, have the staff present and working during the high need areas and I think we know most of the high need areas are the warmer months of the year. So okay. um, maybe there's a couple that stay on year round, but the the greater need um, is during those summer months. Okay. And the and I was getting ready. To, that was going to be my next question. Of what is a high need area? Of I mean, are we talking about? 
calls for service to determine that? Are we talking about the number of people congregated in the park, in one section of the park? I'm not, not completely, and I'm, I'm just trying to get a definition of that. Right. So um, I've reached out to RPD and, and parks um, for some data, and um, I think, you know, we, we leave it up to them to determine, but just talking to them anecdotally, they know certain areas that are more well-trafficked, and there have been incidents. Of, I mean, there's incidents of crime. There's every year we have people die on the river because they're going in um, completely unprepared. Um, I've talked, I talked recently to the fire chief about improving some signage in this area, in the well-known spots of where people, you know, drop in um, and they have no knowledge of uh, what the conditions are like several miles down the river. And uh, I think, you know, that that's why they need some time to kind of look at this and, and figure out you have different... Uh, you're dealing with different things within our park system in terms of safety. Right. Well, I guess, <clears throat> I mean, what this person, and I'm sorry here, I'm going to get to you here just one second, Ms. Gray. This individual, I mean, it would make sense to me for this person to be deputized to where, because if all they're going to do, and I mean, you know, that, that would serve a function, because there'd be somebody there on the eyes on the ground that could call the police. But to me, you're still pulling away resources from the police department to address a particular issue. So if this person could, you know, hand out tickets, I can tell people go to Bryan Park in the in the morning. There'll be plenty of people there with their dogs off the leash. Um, you know. All it takes is a couple of tickets, and then people might stop doing that. But if this person isn't going to be deputized to do that, I mean, if then we're pulling the RPD over there to do that, it just seems like we're not helping without this person being able to hand out a ticket or go ahead. Um, that's a really good point, and uh, I've had again, informal discussions with um, Parks and RPD about that to, so for some of these nuisance crimes, seeing what we can do to give the park rangers the ability to issue tickets or notices of violation or something like that because I don't think we really want our RPD officers handing out tickets for dogs off the leash. But, I mean, look, I, I get those calls all the time. It is a problem in the 4th District. Right. However, we want RPD dealing with our um, more violent crimes and, and putting those needs where they're needed. So this is... This is a, a fill-the-gap sort of, at least that's how I view it. All right. Great. Ms. Gray and then Mr. Jones. So with these park rangers, 
be able to stop people from, I mean, would Abner Clay Park even be considered a high-need park, and would they be able to stop people from consuming alcohol and squatting and defecating between our park cars and on our homes adjacent to the park? Would they be able to help with that? Are we just looking at people down at the river drinking beer? I mean, do you want no, me to? No, no, no you, you can give me two seconds and then you can comment on both of ours because my, my question or my comment was going in the same direction. Are we listing out particular parks or are we listing all parks? Because I'm sure every park in the city has their issues. Broad Rock Park, and again, what is high traffic? Broad Rock Park on a, on a weekend is packed. There's nothing but cars out there. And so would that mean the park ranger would go there as well to deal with some things? Because I know I've called uh, 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 Captain Snodder out of the second precinct about some things that I saw going on during the week that required um, a police that I wouldn't feel comfortable sending someone deputized to deal with. And it's not that it was violent or more violent than anything else because dog mauling can be just as violent as anything else that might go on. But my concern is, are these particular parks uh, within the city, or is this going to be up to the discretion of uh, Parks and Recs to kind of figure out what that is? Because, again, Councilwoman Gray brings up a great point. There is an issue at Abner Clay, and who deals with that, who addresses that, and who considers that high traffic? And then one last thing, I'm sorry. Yes, sir. Um, are we discussing the merits of this as far as the 156,000 that's already received consensus, or are we just talking about the merit of this particular text amendment? Because I kind of hear both. I'm just trying to. Okay. This did, as I recall, receive consensus. Ms. Brown, is that. Yes, sir, it did receive consensus Okay, previously. within the Parks and Rec budget. Correct. Okay. But not for this particular item, the 156, for this purpose. That's why we have the text amendment. The 156 was agreed to for um, an increase in parks budget for park patrol. Um, so it was for some type of patrol of city parks. Okay. And this um, text amendment gives just a little bit additional detail, but also provides um, provides the department um, the flexibility to administer it the way they feel fit in collaboration with um, the police department, fire and emergency, and ambulance. Okay. Mr. Jones, did that answer that? It, it did, and it still raises the same concern which parks are going to be considered high-need areas. Because, again, for me, I have a high need every weekend at Broad Rock Park, a very high need. Because, again, we may not get 100,000 people through, but you put 1,000 people right there, and we got some issues. And so, again, I, I walk by there every Sunday, and Lord knows, 
right? And so we find different, and, and Reva knows you find different things as you walk back in the woods, back there, syringes and all everything else. Um, and so what might be viewed as a particular need in one district, another district may have a different set of needs that are just as relevant. And so I would just want to know how Parks and Recs is going to, how they're going to discharge um, this particular task. Yes. Uh, Ms. Larson. Um, those are really good questions, and that's why the text amendment was written the way it was, so that they look at the data and the calls, and I would, I am not really familiar with Broad Rock Park, but I assume if there are issues there that there have been 911 calls and data that will support that, and that's why it's written in this open-ended way um, so that the experts in those areas can determine where the needs are. Right. It does say that the Department of Parks, Recreation, Community Services, the Richmond Police Department, Department of Fire and Emergency Services, and the Richmond Ambulance Authority would determine the high-need areas. Mr. President, I, I get that, but in areas on our side of the city that we will not report at the same level as other parts of the city. Okay. Um, it, we, we just, it, and, and so again, I'm, I'm not necessarily confident that every issue that takes place at that park is getting turned in. And not a, Mr. President, you've got, yeah, you got so. two council members that's talking about the same park. And I know that I've gotten calls on a Sunday where the parents were afraid to take their children into the Broad Rock Park because of some things that was going on in there. Um, as he mentioned, the woods. So that's, you know, just... And right. some of the same things that Kim's got in her park, that's what's going on in Broad Rock Park. And like Michael said, you wouldn't send somebody that was not a law enforcement officer to maybe go and deal with some of the issues that happen after 3 p.m. at that park. Because sometimes they don't get out of there until 10 p.m. And, and they're not going to go. When you come in and say leave, if it's somebody like, like a citizen says you've got to go, you're going to need law enforcement to go in there most of the time to tell them, hey, the park is closed. Okay. Thank you, Ms. Trammell. Uh, Ms. Gray. So I think this gets to more of the point of um, there was a question raised earlier. Every year we're seeing increased revenue. Where's the money going? What's happening to it? This, not just this program, not picking on this, but every single time we get a little additional bump in revenue, we're finding ways to spend it that may or may not be the most suitable. I think, um, yeah, is that a need that, I mean, I could walk out here for 20 minutes and come back and have a, a list of items that probably could eat up the, any additional revenue we have for the next decade, and they'd all be legitimate. But is this something that, given all of our concerns, all of the things that we hear from our respective districts, is this something that rises to the level of, you know, hey, could this fix that stretch of sidewalk that you had an elderly person fall on? Uh, 
you know, and that you've had multiple reports? Or could this take care of an issue that, that we're really supposed to be doing as a, as a locality, but we keep saying we don't have the money to address it? This cumulatively in the aggregate is why we don't have the money to address the issues that we have. And we, keep, we continue to find other needs, albeit legitimate or not, that we want to fulfill. So we create these mm-hmm. programs or initiatives or right. things that I think we've got to stop Every, every single time we think we have extra money, spending it on extra programs and extra initiatives that are going to require more from our employees to administer. And it's, it would be expected that this would be in every budget going forward. Once you start a program like this, people next year would be saying, hey, why didn't you all fund the park rangers? You know, you're not, you don't care about our safety. So I just... I, I take issue with us keep with the continuing of finding additional programs when we haven't fully funded the needs, the basic needs that we are required to do. Okay. Thank you, Ms. Gray. Uh, Ms. Brown, can we, we added this as a specific increase to the budget, did we not? Yes, sir. Okay, we had consensus for that. Now, we can, you know, drop a text amendment and let the administration figure what to do with it, or we can put a text amendment in and say, here's what we want. We cannot go back and relitigate the $156,000 that we put in the budget. We just can't do that. We'll never get out of here. We'll be here at midnight on March the 31st trying to pass this budget. So that's my, that's the point of going over these text amendments. If we what, don't want this particular text amendment in there, then let's say so, but then we're going to we're going to leave it open to the administration as to what to do with that $156,000. Could I have... Mr. So, I'm sorry, Vice President Newbill. Thank you. Uh, so my question... Um, would be, uh, I guess, uh, in addition to the comments that have been made by my colleagues, I have concern for the safety and well-being of these individuals who might be hired to serve in this capacity. Um, I don't know uh, if it might be uh, better to have RPD look at some additional staffing to this level I would appreciate any opportunity to hear, but um, we're, we're talking about having people dispatched in parks to not RPD, but um, presenting that they are um, upholding the law, if you will, of the parks. But um, I'm not sure that we've adequately taken into consideration okay. their partic- uh, possible safety and well-being, and so. I see the director heading towards the microphone. And so even if it's retained, I get that it was approved. Is there an additional or another option we should be looking at to accomplish the same goal? Yes. Good Good morning, Council. Chris Frelke, Director of Parks and Recreation. Um, To answer your question, Councilor Newbill, is that they would not be deputized at this point. 
And so they would, their first response would be to call 911. There'd be more eyes out there in the park not to be able to sort of get involved in those type of situations. All right. Thank you. Uh, and I'm sorry, here, one question. I'm sorry, one other question. So you, so there is, based on the scenario you just shared, there is, there is not concern then for safety. There, there would be some concern depending on certain areas of that. And I know we've met with the police department and tried to determine what are some of the best um, means to do this. This came to us, you know, a few months ago. And I think that the, the intent is, you know, as several of you have mentioned, um, the intent is very um, trying to address some of the needs. Um, however, what I think had been suggested to is if this funds are here, the, to have some more discretion to determine how we need to use those and maybe increase, um, you know, overtime for off-duty officers or different things along those lines. Last question. Do we not have staff have ability to issue uh, citations already or any of that? that not citations, but certainly notices. Um, at this point, we do not, but we are working with the attorney's office to, okay. to do that. Thank you. Great. Mr. Brown, did you have a comment? Okay. All right. So this is, this is a text amendment to, uh, to direct these funds to be presented for this purpose. So if we, that's where we are right now. Do we want to add this text amendment? Because $156,000 is there. Okay. So... We have a consensus to accept this text amendment. One, two, three, four. Looks like uh, we don't have consensus on this one. So we will, so that 156, we'll ask the administration for a plan on that, but, but we are not going to add this as a text amendment. All right, text amendments for the capital budget, school construction and planning, and that looks like that's all of us. Mr. Mr. President, patron. this one is one that was discussed last Thursday. Um, the wording is slightly different. We reviewed the, the wording we had last week with uh, the deputy city attorney, and the purpose here is to allow the balance from a previous appropriation for school construction to be used in conjunction with the new $150 million for the overall school construction program. And to that end, this language here today simply conforms language that's in the existing active project with the new project language, which is found on page 39 of your capital notebook. So it's conforming the active project that was previously appropriated to the description uh, and purpose of the uh, new project. Okay. The, oh, as proposed by the administration. Thank you. One thing here, this is capital budget, and we've got rezoning of Broad Rock and Green, rezoning of Thompson, Brown, Bouchal, and Elkhart, which I'm totally behind uh, rezoning, but I'm not not understanding if that's an appropriate use of capital fund dollars. And would this go to the school system to in their efforts to rezone these? I'm I'm just not 
I'm not clear as to how re the rezoning process relates to capital improvements. Mr. President, I yes. That that is the existing language for the $150 million capital project. Okay. Uh, again, the effort here is to allow the balance in the um, active capital project to be merged with the $150 million to give a larger amount okay. uh, without having to do transfers and additional right. amendments to the budget in the future. As far as the appropriateness of the language, the administration would have to speak to that because it's the language that was in their introduced budget notebook. Okay. Great. Ms. Uh, Gray? Um, this is separate but very much a part of this discussion on Friday. I think we were all sent an email by the superintendent, and it says, I'm writing to follow up on the conversation we had yesterday regarding RPS maintenance funds. Attached is a short presentation that summarizes all of our capital balances as of March 31st, 2018. So, again, the superintendent um, sent, and I can forward this to whoever didn't get it, um, a spreadsheet that does not reflect what our capital budget reflects. So I think it's important, and, and perhaps that's because some of the funds were kept on the city's book to, to construct schools, but they are not reflecting the $14 million in maintenance funds that are in our capital budget book. And so um, I think it's important for us to reconcile that with the school district, because if, if there's a cry for these additional funds and they are not aware that they are sitting on $14 million or $9.5 million or however they're, whichever pocket they're looking at, then um, it's a whole different conversation to say we're not providing the funding right. that they need. Okay. All right, I think that's a very... Valid point here. It looks like uh, administration is going to come up and discuss your your and point. I, uh, I don't hope. know if you were copied on that email. You were. Good morning, Jay Brown, Director of Budget and Strategic Planning. Um, yes, we were made aware of that just very recently, I believe, on Friday. And we had the ability to reach out to the superintendent. Uh, we do stand behind the numbers that we have in the budget document. That is the information that was reflected in our financial system at the time. Um, and they did provide us with an update on Friday with those amounts. And I believe that those are the same amounts that you are referring to. So our anticipation is that we would show those adjustments on our third quarter CIP report. Okay. So let's see. I'm sorry. I'm not sure that I completely followed that. You're saying that this came from... RPS, and you're saying that you want to conform the CIP budget to reflect these numbers? Um, just the available balances. Okay. Um, we just received this on Friday, um, and the it's it's very likely that schools has been spending this money since the second quarter, and as a result, the balances have been going down. Okay. So the the this amendment was going to designate funds for these particular schools. President Hilbert, if yes. I may, Selena Cuffey-Glenn, the CEO. We support 
the changes or the amendments in line uh, 90, 91, and 92 as it relates to if there are available resources in the design and planning account that it's been on the books for a number of years, certainly we'd like to capture those to help with the design and planning for the four schools that are being proposed. Absence of this amendment, those dollars would not be available to help us move forward as it relates to leveraging the use of the $150 million. So line 90, 91, and 92, those are lines we do support. The other line items were already reflected in the old documents of the city. So the amendments we certainly support because we think that's going to allow us to at least support the timeline that's being recommended by schools to move forward with the 2021 schools coming forth as it relates to the four new schools uh, that are proposed. Thank you. Um, my original question was rezoning and, and how that would, I mean, I can. Th those were in the old those, documents, budget documents. And they were. Staff is only recommending the amendments to 90, 91, and 92 in the lines uh, before you. Okay. So let's see. Right. The, I guess what I'm saying is in order to determine the size of some of these schools, rezoning would be necessary in order to figure out the size school that you would need. And I, so, I can't respond to that piece of the conversation. Yes. All I know is my conversation with schools in recent weeks uh, deals with the fact of the timeline for the new schools coming online. I'm assuming that some of these other strategies would be part of their conversation as a board and staff. Uh, but we know we can't use the existing dollars for some of the design work that would be required as it relates to the four new schools being proposed. Okay. Yes, Do we sir. have a I, – I don't know. Maybe I'm not making myself clear. I hear what you're saying, that this was the language that had been used and that we were – and that we are trying to move forward in the planning and design of these four new schools. What I'm not understanding – is the rezoning process being funded out of capital improvements? And maybe this is... It, this predates me, so I'm not sure when I, it was captured as part of the... Okay. Yes, All sir. right, Mr. Jackson. The, the issue depends, uh, with, with respect to CIP funds, whether an expenditure falls within a category of cost, uh, as it's defined by the Public Finance Act, depending on whether the rezoning that's proposed is done uh, or done at the beginning of the process or toward the end of the process, um, those expenses likely uh, would be captured within the item of cost uh, either as uh, actual startup costs, uh, which is uh, costs at the, uh, once a project has been finished and is being put in service. Uh, or it could be uh, a cost incident or an expense incident to determining feasibility or practicability. Uh, either one is, is permissible under the Public Finance Act. Great. Thank you. I'm all yes, educated now. <laughs> no pun intended. Ms. Uh, Gray. I still have questions about the capital balances. Are we saying that... This spreadsheet that we got from the superintendent is the accurate accounting for all funds available to schools? 
Um, the superintendent um, has indicated to me that he was willing to work with us to make sure that we are all on the same page with what they are now recently showing with their available balances. So we will, we will be working very closely with them, with our financial system and with his records. And as far as the bus lease payoff, $4.2 million, has that taken place yet? I know that we gave one-time funding to make that a possibility in last year's budget. So would that still encumber funds that we put forward for capital? Ms. Gray, Selena Cuffey, Glenn Sato, we would have to verify that based upon the latest that we received. I think in some of our previous conversations, they had not made that payment. But as of Friday, they're saying they have. That is just something we would just have to verify. But this information was not made available to us as it relates to discussions that have been going on over the last 30 days. So, so we're just getting this now. So um, just a question, was that paid out of funds that were expended in the capital budget, or was that paid out of the one-time funds that we gave in the 2018? Based upon your ordinance, it should have come out of that one-time dollars uh, that the council made available last year. It should have come from that source. But it looks like it's reducing the amount of available... As I said, we're just getting this, and uh, certainly we look forward to sitting down with the superintendent, but this has just come to our attention as of Friday of last week. Okay, with... Well, it seems... I mean, it seems like that we could go forward with what we have. Yeah, Or... Moving forward. Leaving it as is. Okay. Because we can only spend what we have, so certainly that would be the strategy. Okay. All right. Any? Uh, so, yes, Ms. I'm Gray. just. I just want to be clear. We're saying that what we have in our capital available funds are not matching up to what schools are saying they have available. What we're saying. What we're saying is that we're going to have to sit down and, and reconcile this with Richmond Public Schools because we just received this. Okay. So. When will we know and, and how – because my question around sending additional maintenance funds was around capacity. And um, with the impression that there was money available, that money is available for these maintenance projects that weren't being utilized. And it was a question for me of capacity and ability to complete those projects within the next – fiscal year, but I just, I really would like to know what is getting done, what the plan is, and how we're not, I mean, is this, does this come up during the compact discussions, or? If I may, the superintendent did indicate to me on Friday that he's willing to sit, to sit down with us and get us some information this week, and we look forward to doing that with him. Thank you. All right, thank you. So um, we're going to roll with this one as is. No objections. Uh, Ms. Robertson, you're objecting. Oh, I, right. I'm. I'm said that a little different. I was looking for any objections, assuming that without an objection we'd move forward. Okay. Great. Uh, Mr. Agilasto, the final text amendment, uh, Department of 
Thank you. Um, this is one that um, deals with graffiti abatement across the city, and um, we have experienced substantial uh, vandalism of public property, mainly with our road signs, and this would ensure that there was funding to continue uh, the graffiti program and also make sure that there was uh, some funding available for um, working with private property owners to get them enrolled in a program uh, that would also uh, continue the city's graffiti abatement. Okay. So let's see if I'm reading this correctly. You're requesting a text amendment to stipulate that the special fund budget uh, for the Department of Public Works includes these dollar amounts for 20 fiscal 19 and 20 for the abatement, for gra graffiti abatement. And I, and I could be on, wrong, but I think these, street maintenance these numbers fund. are what they are projecting spending. It's just making sure that that it says that this is for graffiti. Okay. All right. Any discussion on this one? Clarification? Uh, Ms. Gray. I support the amendment and um, am subject to a lot of um, graffiti, but I wanted to make sure that this is also to assist and abate graffiti on private property as well. Okay. Do we need to add that in there about private property? I'm not sure if it isn't already included in there. Is it? Maybe somebody can ask. I mean, the I know that the last several requests that we've put in, we've gotten a response back that the scope of the graffiti was outside of the ability of the department to abate it. Um, and I know... Councilman Agilesto had a um, large turnout and cleanup of graffiti abatement on Earth Day um, that included some private property. Okay. So, yes. With the property owner's permission. But it seems that the recent requests that have been sent over have gotten a response back that they were unable to address the issue. Vincent. Good morning, Council. Bobby Vincent, Director of Public Works. Uh, we do perform graffiti abatement in the public right-of-way as well as on private property. However, we do have to have a waiver signed by the property owner in order to perform um, any graffiti abatement on private property. Um, there are some times where if there's an extensive amount of graffiti on private property, at that point in time, we will hold the property owner accountable for it because we don't want to be in a position to have to paint someone's entire home, someone's entire piece of property. Okay. Uh, Ms. Larson? Um, what, what is the name of the special fund? It's the street maintenance special fund. And is it under Department of Public Works? Yes. Okay. I see it. Thank you. All right. So this is called the... Street maintenance special fund, but we are designating that those dollars be spent for graffiti abatement. Is that what I'm? Do I have that correct? Okay. Yes. Uh, 
Just to the patron, again, I, Ms. Angelesto, you did indicate that um, these funds, this special fund, and in conversation with DPW, you all are working together on this. Thank you. Yes. Mr. President. Ms. Larson. So there's, if I'm reading this right, there's $30 million in the special fund for the upcoming fiscal year and $32 million for fiscal year 20. So will this then be broken out as a separate, how will, or will it just be the text amendment? It, like, will just, it would just be the text amendment because we don't break out the special fund budget by programs. So this is just saying out of that 30 or so million, this much is to be for graffiti abatement. So it would just be the text amendment. How will we track it, though? We could ask for reports from the administration, and we. Okay. Yeah. Great. Do you have consensus on this one? Okay. Consensus one, two, three, four, five. Okay. All right. Now we yes, Mr. Agilasto, when you were out of the room here, we skipped over yours, um, your other amendment. Let's see. It's on uh, Department of Finance, additional delinquent tax revenue. Now on page two. Sure. We're coming back to that one. We discussed the, the major deficit that is held in this account um, within the city attorney's office. And a deficit is still a liability on the books for the city. And I believe when we had this conversation, the administration voiced their support of uh, tax men of this nature that would earmark any revenues that were not budgeted for this category to then go to pay down that deficit that we currently carry. Okay. Yes, Mr. Wack. And John Wack, Director of Finance, just wanted to clarify. So this is related to delinquent real estate tax revenue? Okay. It just says tax revenue. That's why I asked. Okay. All right, do we want to add that in there just to make it perfectly clear? That's fine. Okay. All right. Uh, we have consensus on this one. Okay. Uh, so that looks like that's it for the text amendments. So let's see. Um, other discussion items, time permitting? I don't think there's any time for that. <laughs> okay, so we're going to adjourn, um, and we will uh, meet you back here at 1 o'clock.
call this meeting uh, budget work session uh, to order. Uh, let's see, Ms. Uh, Brown, can you let us know where we are on the general fund? Yes, sir. So currently the general fund has a positive balance of a little over 100000 and the 2020 budget $1.9 So at the end of the morning session, the council asked for staff's recommendation. What we would like to do is start with 2020, and to balance 2020, we would like to reduce the real estate revenue by that 1.9 to put it balanced for 2020. Okay, so that's to change the, is that going to require? No, sir. Certification, no? No. Okay, and that's just from, you're saying the real estate tax revenue? Correct. Uh, right now we have it at 4.6, so we've reduced it by the 1.9, so it would be uh, a little over 2.7 million, and that would balance 2020. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do we hear uh, any any objections to that? Okay. Mr. Jones. So, no. so the recommendation is what now? Oh. The I'm recommendation sorry. to balance 20 because we are 1.9 million um, in additional revenue than we have expenditures. So just to reduce this projected revenue in 2020 of 4.6 to reduce that to 2.7. And then 2020 will be balanced. Okay. No objections. Okay. We'll go with that one. We're balanced 2020. Now the hard one here. Current uh, current year's budget. For fiscal year 19, um, it came to our attention that the CIP balance, uh, CIP projects are out of balance by approximately 250,000, and so council staff is recommending using this hundred thousand nine hundred six dollars to help balance. Um, and so council would need to get this balance right here to 250. So we can make a cash transfer to the CIP to balance CIP. And with that, council would need to identify uh, $149,094. And once that is identified, then we will be in balance. All right. So the first part of this, so in essence, we're uh, going to have a funds transfer to um, to. Um, the CIP in order to balance that, and then we'll be um, short um, 149000 Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So um, with this 100 that we're over and the, the 150, so we need to come up with, right, the 149. Does anyone have any recommendations as to get to 149, a particular cut? Uh, Ms. Gray? So I know um, there was a lot of discussion around this new ranger program. I'm wondering if a portion of that can be used to look at um, the re- whatever's remaining once we balance can be used to look at what we can do to augment the safety and parks. But I would say that if we create a program, again, that 
would imply that that's an ongoing expense, and I don't know that that is the best use of those funds. So I would say if we could shift it to balance, let the remaining amount be utilized to perhaps implement a volunteer program or police overtime to look at what we can do to. Okay, Ms. Larson. Um, I would like to, if we do that, I'd like to go over every amendment that was proposed and revisit all of them for consensus. Okay. I'd be okay with that. Okay. That just seemed like the lowest hanging fruit, but maybe not to everyone. All right. Did we have, all right, we've got a motion from Ms. Larson, uh, Vice President Newbill. Okay, so I am wanting to, okay, so what's on the table is what Ms. Gray put forward. I am not clear why it is that we would go through every other amendment because this one is being recommended for consideration well, to address the shortfall. And I, I heard that here. I guess if we can get a consensus on the 156, then or not the 156, the 149 from that line item, then we're balanced. But if, so do we have consensus on that line item? I'm sorry. Are, are you okay. asking, Mr. President? I don't. I'm sorry. I didn't know if you were asking for consensus from me. I am. Okay. To, uh, okay. Looks like we have consensus on that. So then we're we're balanced. There'll be seven thousand remaining in this category. Is that about right? One fifty six minus one forty nine. That's correct. Okay. And we did get that. Oh well, I guess I mean since there was now that we're balanced, I'm not sure why we would go over all of these budget amendments. But Miss Larson. Um, because that one was singled out after we had already gone through the process. Okay. Well, all right, do we, do we have a consensus to go back and visit various budgets in order to realign uh, where we are now? Well, we're aligned, but I guess to change the budget for uh, various line items in order to, obviously we're going to need to get back to balanced, uh, but do we want to open that up for general fund amendments that we've already made, a discussion of all of those items? Is there a uh, consensus on that? I'm fine supporting yes. that since I put the suggestion forward for the other um, but there, I don't see a lot of, opportunities here, but I'm fine to have that discussion. Okay. All right. So, consensus. Mr. President. And yes. I would just like to say I'm just frustrated with this body on how all this came together. And I realize some people don't think this proposal to create this program is uh, worthy 
However, a lot of the arguments made against it are exactly why we need a program like this. And defunding it to $7,000 is um, insulting. And if you look at the amendments that we are funding, we're funding non-departmental grants for organizations that I don't even know what they are or what they do. And when we asked the administration for information, if they got an application, their response was, yes, we got an application, but it was not in our priorities, so we decided not to fund it. So I have no paperwork for these groups, but yet they're being funded over uh, city resources and putting staff in a city asset to, to make those areas uh, safer and put more boots on the ground. So, Would we? you know, I... I I get we've taken consensus. This is where we are. But I feel like this non-departmental thing is growing every year. Mm-hmm. And we just blindly hand money out to whoever knocks on our door. And it's troubling. Would it be acceptable to just visit instead of every line item? Would you want to visit but I'm trying to get your proposal. So it's it's go over everything, not just non-departmentals. If we just rehashed this park ranger proposal for 30 minutes, then why didn't we do that with all 22 amendments? We had already received consensus on the budgetary item. Mm-hmm. That moved forward. The text amendment was a companion piece to go with that. So now we're backtracking on this one item. Mm -hmm. I just, it's, it's troubling. And I don't appreciate it. Okay, Ms. Gray. So I would agree on the non-departmental. It's, we're funding things pretty blindly with non-departmental, and that's why I supported Ms. Larson's legislation to change that process so that we would have um, a more deliberate means of um, contracting with particular nonprofits and other agencies to fulfill duties that the city doesn't have the capacity to fill but our responsibilities or um, fit within the mission of the city. So moving forward, I would 100% support us changing that process because I do think our non-departmental budget is out of control and we need to bring it in in a way that is um, more responsible. Um, I think adding my issue with and looking at all of the things that we've funded. We are increasing, in many cases, services that we're supposed to be providing. This is creating a whole new division within a department that that would take on additional responsibilities. And I take issue with us creating all new positions and staff and responsibilities when we haven't met the obligation, the minimum obligations of those other things. So, um, and I, you know, 
I do think we are also taking on additional liability if we're sending undeputized individuals into the park to confront violations or, or individuals who are behaving in a certain way that's inconsistent with what we'd like to see in a park, you're creating an interaction that could prove to be a, a liability for us. Okay. So we were going to get a consensus on Ms. Larson's proposal to revisit the, the budget items, uh, the increases to, uh, to the general fund budget to address each one of those. Does everyone hear that? I'm not sure here. Does everyone hear that? The, it was the amendments. Slarson made a proposal to go back and look at all of the amendments that we'd made to the general fund budget, uh, all of the, um, I guess, all of the items, both increases and, and decreases. Do we have a consensus to do that, to revisit these? Okay, it looks like we have, we don't have a consensus to do that. So we will look at, we're balanced here, is that right? So. Yes, sir. Okay, and the CIP is balanced also. Right, we will be doing, for this 250, we'll be doing a, another increase that will do the cash transfer to CIP, which will then have CIP balance. Okay, great. So we need, I believe the administration had asked for uh, to, I'm sorry, Ms. Gray? On the um, CIP issue with RPS schools, I know that... Um, a language was approved and there was the rezoning language. Is there a language that would require quarterly reporting on the part of the school district so that we can reconcile more frequently? Because this is really concerning to me that we have different numbers and we're in the process of adopting a budget and we don't really know what the true final numbers are. So is there, do we have the ability to require quarterly reports on school expenditures and out of the capital budget? The director of finance should have the ability to provide those anyway. And if that's the case, then but, you but can require I, them of the director of finance. And I understand um, we get a quarterly report, but is that quarterly report being pulled together on the city side without all of the information? Because obviously there are differences between right. those to reports from what I have in my hand and from what's showing in our capital budget books. So is there a point in which schools reports their encumbrance, encumbrances and expenditures? And when are those reported so that we don't end up in the same place next year? There should be, but exactly how it works is something that either the director or uh, the DCA will have to explain. Okay, uh, Madam Vice President. Yeah, I just would add, like to add to Ms. Gray, in addition to some reconciliation between what the administration has and what schools has, because that's what we're looking at here that we don't have, that we need to have greater frequency of reporting on. Is, I mean, because we'll end up with two different reports like we have, which is pretty disconcerting. So, Ms. Reed. 
Lenore Reed, DCAO Finance and Administration. Uh, just wanted to add the quarterly reports that are prepared for the CIP are the best available numbers that are in our system at the time. Uh, sometimes there is a lag with uh, Richmond Public Schools in that when they provide their information uh, for payment. And so we will oftentimes have different numbers because they have what they've paid out since the time or subsequent to the time that they've sent that information over to uh, whether it's Department of Finance or Budget, and it gets into the system. And so, again, there's oftentimes there's a disparity and the numbers, and I don't know, um, and so I let Mr. Jackson say if we can require them to, that is Richmond Public Schools, to provide that information um, more timely or more frequently. And not to just include. Yes, Ms. Gray. I'm sorry, not to just include the expenditures, but the actual encumbrances, because if they've issued contracts and they've encumbered funds, it would be important for us to know that as well. What Absolutely. I'm understanding is your system only shows the actual expenditures. That is correct, and we do not get the encumbrance information, and so that would be something that either we can request, but I don't know. Again, Mr. Jackson will have to opine as to whether or not that information can be um, demanded or uh, required by Richmond Public Schools to provide to the city. Okay. Uh, Mr. Jackson. Well, clearly the Director of Finance can demand information about receipt, custody, and disbursement of funds. Encumbrances is uh, a separate issue. Essentially, an encumbrance is um, a commitment and obligation in the form of a contract. Whether the director can demand that information prior to the time it's expended is something I'd have to look into further. Uh, I don't know the answer off the top of my head, and I don't get it from the main statute uh, that deals with uh, how school funds are kept. Thank you. So if I'm understanding this correctly, we get a report from Richmond Public Schools, um, let's just say mid-April, uh, and they've made expenditures between March the 31st and May the 15th. Couldn't we get a reconciliation from them just on the 31st, or are we saying that, that there's a lag time between them actually dispersing or encumbering money uh, for the reports that, that we get? Is that not a, that's not a simultaneous uh, transaction, or is it that they're just reporting, oh, yeah, we spent this, but on, you know, at the end of the quarter, we had our numbers link up with yours? Is that, is that the lag time of which we speak? Lenore Reed, could you please clarify that question? Yes, what I'm saying is that there was a discussion of lag time where they have made an expenditure or encumbered funds. And what my question is, is if we're looking at the same date, March the 31st or the end of any quarter, uh, but by the time they get their report to you, it's April the 15th or April the 30th. And so they include in their report 
things that were expenses or encumbrances for that next month instead of giving you information that was that would have been current as of the end of the quarter. Where is the lag time that was? Well, I can't really speak to encumbrances because encumbrances, um, there are two types. I can encumber in which there's a commitment. I can encumber because I want to encumber the funds to set them aside. Um, we do not have that detailed information. We can request additional information on expenditures through, uh, up to and through a specific date. Okay, and we're... But the report, I guess, that we've received from them appeared to be dramatically different from what we had. Absolutely. Okay. So I think Ms. Gray's question is maybe I, that this, this isn't acceptable, that we're on, uh, you know, we're singing, you know, Amazing Grace, and then we're here at well, How Great Thou Art. That's... Mr. Uh, President? Yes. The, uh, for reporting the information that we receive from Richmond Public Schools that can be validated and verified. So when we get expenditures that we're requested to pay or to reimburse, that's the information that we use. If they've submitted, uh, if they have expenditures subsequent to the time they've submitted the information to the city and we do not have that information, that's only information that they have that I assume have been reported on the report that you have before you. We have no control over that, and we're hearing about it when you hear about it as well. Okay. Ms. Gray. And I think that um, it's duly noted that there should be a distinction between committed encumbrances and encumbrances that are just set aside for some other purpose, that if there is a contract um, or if there is an invoice that encumbers those funds that haven't been expended to date, then that would be supporting documentation. But I do think it's important for us to know what's already encumbered because if, if it's committed to another project and the assumption, at least my assumption, was that those funds were available to do some needed projects within the school district, then that needs to be communicated. I don't know who or how or when, but I do think that um, there should be, and I think it would help schools if they were willing to bring this forward, whether or not we did it through an ordinance or, or if we're able to do it by ordinance or if we made the request that they report this out. Right. Thank you. I guess where we are, Presently, or what I heard from the administration was that they want to go forward with the text amendment as it was written, and, and I'm, I guess I'm concerned that we're going to get to a point where, where we say, well, maybe some of their numbers were right, and so therefore the text amendment would need to be changed. Is that, is that fear, unfounded, Miss uh, Miss Brown or Mr. Eichelberger? You want to? opine on my assumption. The text amendment is just to indicate what any remaining balance can be applied 
applied to. Okay. Um, as far as for a full reconciliation, I believe the administration indicated that they just received those numbers from schools, so they would have to go back and um, work with schools to do a full reconciliation. But right now, the text amendment does not have any type of language requesting any type of reporting. Okay. So, yes, Ms. Gray. And if we have to rehash this, we only got this as a result of the superintendent coming down here on Thursday and telling us different numbers than what we're seeing in our sheets as available to schools. So he went back, apparently, with his financial folks and budget people and worked out a spreadsheet on the capital balances, and we got this. But this is only after it was discovered during our deliberation that there are some discrepancies and what we know to, to be available to schools and what they are saying is available. So how do we fix that? That's my only point. And if we can do it at this point with a particular text amendment, I would like to do that. If we can't, I'd like to continue to figure out how we reconcile this. Pardon me. I think Mr. Jackson had opined and he's going to need to look into that. Yes, sir. And one of the things, you've probably seen my face going, what's going on? <laughs> um, is we're dealing with CIP funds. CIP funds are different from your general fund appropriation for the operation of schools. CIP funds uh, are subject to a greater degree of control by by the city. Um, and so I'm, I think I would need to have further conversations to figure out how the funds are actually handled before I could offer anything further. Okay. They ought to be under the control of the director. So um, I guess I'm just trying to, in a perfect world, I'd like for everything to be wrapped up today, but it sounds like, let me see if we can get a consensus on this, and then, well, Mr. Agilesto, please go ahead. No, I... <coughs> I guess the the biggest issue that I would outline for my colleagues um, to address is reconciliation of accounts um, has been one of the biggest challenges that the city has had in the finance department for a number of years. And it's one of the reasons that the CAFR continued to be late for the four years that it was not filed timely. And while we're celebrating the timeliness now of, of last year's CAFR, it cannot be understated that in every single audit report for the last four or five years since I've served on city council, the reconciliation of accounts has been a material weakness identified. And it has stated the need to do more timely reconciliation. Now, I hear and appreciate that the finance staff has been putting its best into the general fund reconciliation and that we're reconciling with schools now more frequently and they're reconciling with other funds more frequently. Um, but that's on the general fund side. And it appears in this instance that we have a significant deficiency on the capital side. And as we 
experienced with other capital projects that had technically closed out uh, or were deemed completed but not yet closed out. Uh, the timeliness of that uh, also affected this council's ability to be efficient in our work product. And I think what's most concerning to me is that these material weaknesses that have been identified have now influenced the decision of this body for the last three months to the point where some believed that there was $13 million for school maintenance, and yet there may only be $900,000. But those are the choices that we've made, and we're now at the 11th hour where we cannot go back and revisit most of what has already been deliberated. And I find that very um, upsetting that bad information, misinformation has led the council uh, down a path that it otherwise may not have pursued. And that is troubling when we're the governing body. So I just ask for uh, continued improvement from the finance staff. I know we've come a long way, but we still got a long way to go apparently. Thank you. Yes, that's what I, I guess what I, I was going to ask if, if once, uh, do we have consensus that if Mr. Jackson can come back and, and indicate that may, that, you know, if this is what we want to do, then we would make this text amendment, uh, or are we just going to let it stand as is? So that's, that's my question. Yes. So Craig. without creating an issue for another meeting, um, if we could agree that, the language, if permissible by law, if we can include language in the capital budget um, text amendment for the school's capital funding that requires um, a quarterly or more frequent reporting of um, actual expenditures and um, encumbrances that have contractual commitments. Mm-hmm. That would be helpful for us to know during our during our, all the time, but especially during budget deliberations. That's, and I heard that, or I I think that's what I was proposing. But I I was saying first, do we have a consensus to even want to add an amendment if it's permissible? And I think yeah. uh, we do have uh, Mr. Agilasto. Did you hear that question? Okay. There we go. Okay. So uh, so we do want to add this if it is permissible. Uh, and we'd have to get the specific language. Uh, I'm thinking, uh, Mr. Jackson, that you couldn't opine as to whether that language that Ms. Uh, uh, Gray had suggested. Just real quick, Ms. President, I'm sorry. Yes. You got consensus on that? Yes. Okay, because I, I, I just... Because I couldn't see on that side, it's just the hands and just went so quick. Okay, so are you asking us to revote? Or? No, I'm just I'm just just making a statement. I couldn't see. Okay, oh. are okay. we saying we don't want reporting of expenditures? No, I'm saying I do. I just didn't I didn't know oh. if we had consensus or not. I just we couldn't. did. Okay, great. Okay. Um, so, Mr. Jackson, can you opine that? If we could get the language that Miss Gray, if that's permissible, uh, that you think that you think you can answer that question as to whether that language is permissible. 
Yes, sir. And, and, and okay. if it is permissible, the language itself is fairly straightforward. That okay. shouldn't be a big issue. Great. It's just a question of the permissibility. Okay, wonderful. Then uh, when do you think you could get back with us on that? And just as soon as I possibly can. I, I, okay. <laughs> um, I will work on it this afternoon. Okay. Um, and um, I'll keep you posted about what kind of progress I'm making. All right, great. I'm not sure that that requires another meeting, a budget hearing beyond what we've done. I mean, if we get an answer, then then we'll roll with it. If it's not permissible, then we'll leave it as it is. Is that acceptable? It, it, it is. I'm just hoping that we can get to some definitive. I mean, I, I almost feel if we're talking about transparency in government, it, this almost seems like a ridiculous ask. Why are we asking for schools to report money and finding out whether it's permissible, they should just do it in a timely manner. That's it, because everyone on council, we want to help the schools. I haven't heard in, in, in any setting where council does not want to give schools everything they need. And I believe some of our colleagues, you know, whether it's in the paper or just, there's this narrative that appears, Mr. President, that we are not pro-schools. And it's actually to the contrary, but I, I just need good information in a timely manner, and I hope the school board would assist that, whether it's right. what, whether we debate permissibility or not, it's good government it for is. everyone to share the information in a timely manner so we can all stay on the same page and give them what they need. Because as, as my colleague was saying, if they were at 900,000, we would want to know that so we can kind of adjust in this process. Right. And so I, I hope we get there. I hope there's uh, an, you know, I think the a level is, of transparency that we wouldn't even have to ask for some of these things. It would just be provided because it's good practices. That would, that would be very, that would be great. I guess the permissibility issue is can we demand of another elected body that they produce something? Uh, and right, I think we could, we could ask, and I think that would be great transparent, uh, transparency, but I guess we want to put in the budget that this is what they will do, then that's, a, that's another issue. Uh, but we'd all want, I think school board, if they were here, would, well, I don't know what they'd say, but I'm hoping and guessing that they would say that they wanted to provide this information. Uh, anybody else want to have a comment on that? President, President Hilbert. sorry, Ms. Brown. Um, we can definitely work with the city attorney, and if language is permissible, we can add it. Um, I did from previous conversations, I thought I heard the administration said that they would work with schools to do a quarterly reconciliation, and I just confirmed with Budget Director Jay Brown that if council so wishes, they would um, begin to include a quarterly reconciliation of those accounts within their quarterly report that's submitted to council. So um, that's also an alternative. Um, if additional language isn't permissible, they have seemed to agree to do that. Okay, that sounds great.
Sounds great. So uh, we're both budgets are balanced and all the text amendments are taken care of? Uh, with the exception of this one, but like I said, we'll work with the city attorney on that. Okay, great. Uh, the and then only we had the two administration uh, requests. Uh, yes, the two other last two items that we have is that the administration has requested that council, as part of their amendments, um, consider two additional amendments brought before them. The first one is the original ordinance that was introduced for the 1% salary increase for general fund employees. Um, the dates, the effective dates stated in that ordinance um, are incorrect, and so it would be to amend those dates to reflect the funding that is in the budget. Um, that is the first one. The second one um, is to change one of the program code numbers. Um, right now, it's in the budget book or in the budget ordinance as 10001 for the Department of Citizen Response. Um, and they're requesting to change that program code to 07301. There's no change in the numbers. There's no change in the budget. It's just a procedural matter on both. And if councils agreed, agreed to do both of those, then we will work with the administration to make sure that they're incorporated in the amendments. Okay. One of them is the code number, and the other is the percentage of salary increase as to date as to whether that would be July 1 for a, a Yeah, it will be changing the dates to January to coincide with what is in the budget for the funding. Okay. Great. So that sounds like uh, we're just trying to align... Uh, what we'd already passed uh, with the budget number uh, being one of them and the uh, the dollars that we put in the in the budget Correct. to reconcile the language with that as to the start date right. yes so uh, not to complicate things but I know um, if we didn't change the date it would be a half a percent if we didn't change the date, it would be a 1% for the full year. But I mean, but could we do a half a percent for the full year, change the percentage so that the money would be there sooner, it'd be, it'd balance out to the same. 1% of a half would be the same as a half a percent of the one, right? Of the one year. Yes, Mr. Brown. Um, yes, Jay Brown, Director of Budget and Strategic Planning. Uh, Ms. Brown is correct. This is just um, correcting a slight issue in the ordinance. Uh, the budget has the salary increases. Um, the funding for the salary increases is synonymous with starting in January. The date in the ordinance currently has July. We, we just want to change it to January, which will coincide with the funding levels. That's it. As, as far as changing it from a half a percent for the full year versus one percent for half of the year, um, I would have to. Um, it's fine. I ask, mean, if that's I was going to say because I just don't know if, if HR um, and finance has planned on doing that in January um, or not. So yeah, I don't want to throw any anything off. So I'm fine. Okay, great. So we're good with those consensus on those two items. Okay. Uh, we don't have a consensus on those two items. Okay. okay. There we go. Okay. And so, President Helmer, I just want to confirm, is it that the will of council to cancel the meeting for tomorrow and Wednesday? It does. If we, well, let me get a consensus on that. We're pretty much done at this point. Is that correct? Yes. All right. So I don't see a reason for us to meet again uh, if our work is done. So if we can report that, if we 
uh, to the clerk? Yes, I'll get with the city clerk. Okay, to that great. So up. she can get notice out to the public. So I'm, I'm sure uh, everyone is disappointed that we aren't going to be able to meet on Tuesday and Wednesday. But uh, that's the news that we have to deliver. Um, so is there any further business before this, uh, this committee, this work session? Declare this meeting adjourned.